Holy, I'm choking to death, guys. Ugh. Welcome to episode 32 of the RF Generation Playcast. I'm Gregos81, and what follows is our discussion of our playthrough title for November 2016. Believe it or not, we've been doing the community playthrough at RF Generation long enough that we've made it to our 100th game. Rich knew our 100th title should be something special, so after much discussion, we all agreed on 2010's interactive drama, Heavy Rain. We've covered a Quantic Dream game in the past with Indigo Prophecy, so how does Heavy Rain stack up? Find out in our discussion. Please remember to subscribe to us on YouTube, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter. You can listen to the show on iTunes and Podbean. As always, don't forget to log on to rfgeneration.com to join our playthroughs and discuss the incredible games we play together. Thank you as always for listening, and now, on with the Playcast. Well, Rich, I've been doing something that I didn't think we'd talk about on the show again. Oh, yeah? Can you guess what I'm talking about? Uh, You're collecting games again? Physical games? (laughs) (laughs) No, there's. I still do that. There's still a couple that trickle in now, here and there, over the weeks as as time goes by. But uh, no, I I fired up Pokemon Go again. Oh, no, did you really? Oh, really? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've been playing it. They have this thing on there now. I don't know if you saw it when you were playing. It's been so long for me, but now they have first catch of the day and it's like streaks, like a three day streak, four day streak and so on. And when you get to seven, something happens. Mm. So I want to see what happens when, when you do that. So Hmm. that's interesting. So is that what brought you back into it? No, I didn't even know that, that, that was there till I went back. Like I didn't hear anything about updates or anything that made me want to play the game again. I just wanted to, I went for a walk with my wife and I thought, well, I'll just turn on Pokemon and see what's, what's happening there. Um, but yeah, it's still, it's still kind of annoying, uh, with like wasting 10 or 12 or more Pokeballs on something just to have it run away. But uh, I learned my lesson with that, and I'm just going to make sure I have a massive stockpile of Pokeballs at all times <laughs> and just ignore anything that I don't absolutely need. So, But yeah, it's fun. I thought it was funny. I was thinking about you guys, of course, as, I was, as I've been doing it, so I had to bring that up. I uh, had a moment of temptation yesterday in terms of Pokemon Go. <laughs> uh, I, we were out at the soccer fields, of course, because that's where I live now. Thank God that ended today. <laughs> uh, but... Um, yeah, my, my son had my wife's phone. Of course, my son is, you know, obsessed with that and another game called Clash Royale. Um, but uh, he said, oh, dad, I just caught some Diglets and I don't have that Pokemon. So there was a very, he's like, there, there's, there's caught two of them in this park. So, you know, not having it, I have a very like huge temptation just to turn it on real quick, you know, and like 
catch something that I don't have, you know, because that's really the draw of the game for me, not to keep catching the same ones over and over, which is kind of what, you know, kind of killed it for me. But uh, I, I didn't turn it on. I, I didn't. I was like, you know what? I, I just, I don't want to do that. So, so I didn't, which was, uh, I, I don't know, sort of like a breakthrough for me, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. I guess we should give you a round of applause for I, that. I don't know. I don't know what you should do for that. <laughs> um, I'm I'm just happy to hear that they're still rolling out features for it. Because I think we all, you know, agreed that, you know, after, you know, a couple weeks or a couple months, it uh-huh. kind of felt stale. Yeah. So it's nice to hear that new features and, and new sort of like interesting things are coming out for it. Something to keep the people going. I wonder if it's too little too late, but at the same time, once they roll out the new Pokemon, people will, you know, a lot of those people will be coming back, I think, so. Uh, yeah, I'm sure and, they will. Uh, you know, maybe they can offer some more things that'll keep people around, who knows. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it'll be cool. The other, actually, real quick, Rich, did you tell me, like, a kind of a while ago to watch uh, Stranger Things? Yes. Was that, yeah, Floyd I know was everybody in my life. Yeah, okay. right, Floyd? Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so uh, of course a lot of people told me to watch it, and I finally did. So I just wanted to mention that it's uh, it was good. I liked yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> of course, like many people that watched it, I thought the, the highlight of the show far and away was uh, Millie Bobby Brown's acting as the character Eleven. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the kind of performance that, like, when she's not on the screen, you wish she was. You know what I mean? It's uh, yeah. It was a pretty awesome. So, but cool show. I'm glad I finally watched yeah. it and stopped being stubborn about yeah, it. Yeah, I know it's kind of tough, like to come in on your position because there's so much hype around it, and uh, to come in, you know, and, and watch something like that, you don't want to get sucked into the hype. And I think it kind of diminishes like how you feel about something because so many people love it. There's a lot of, you know, um, hype around it, and you know, right. it, it it kind of makes you. Like fight of gets liking it, I think sometimes. So I'm glad you did enjoy it and got something out of it because I, I think it was really well done. And I'm kind of like you. I thought her character was great, um, but I, I really thought the kids really carried uh, the show, and that mm-hmm. was something that I haven't seen yeah. in the show in a long time. Um, and uh, you, you know, I really appreciated that. So, yeah, cool. Well, I got one other major <laughs> major topic Uh-oh. that I want to drop before we. Uh... <laughs> Freeform the the bullshooting session here. Um, so I did another awesome thing that I've been talking about doing for a long time. Okay. I finally got to try PlayStation Virtual Reality. Oh, okay. Well, you got to tell us all about that. That sounds really cool. Yeah. So here's the thing. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on it because by the time people hear this podcast, my next article will have been published on rfgeneration.com on the front page. And that's where I'm going to tell everybody all about PlayStation VR or at least my brief first impressions of it. But I will say I played um, Batman Arkham VR from start to finish and it really blew me away. Like I did really have that like wow moment when I first booted up the game and was just standing there on the title screen and you can just freely look around. You're on top of this uh, skyscraper and uh, you can literally just look around, look up and down and inside and behind you and, and you're, you can look over and see all the like cars and people on, at, on ground level. And it was really just breathtaking and I just kind of stood there for 
like, like two and a half minutes. And my friend whose house I was at playing it, he was like, oh, you got to like hit the start button. <laughs> I was like, no, I'm, like, I'm no, good. No, 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 no. Let just, me enjoy I'm, the title yeah. screen here. Yeah. Oh. Like, so it's pretty cool. I'm gonna, and I, like I said, I, I got a article up about, about that. So awesome. it's pretty cool. Well, I can't. So yeah, if anyone wants to hear what you have to say, they're going to have to wait a little bit and read it. Yeah. Check that out. Yeah. On well, Generation. by the time this, yeah, by the time this, my due date is like tomorrow. So by the time the show airs, it'll have been up. So go check it out. Yeah. Just scroll back through the front page <clears> and find that for what the, uh, is that the 22nd? Is that your date? That it gives up. Yeah, Tuesday, this coming Tuesday. Cool. Yeah, very, very cool. So, yeah, so that's it for me. What What have you guys been up to? Playing, reading, watching, pickups. Uh well, I think I mentioned today that I was playing some Final Fight Three when you guys called uh, in and. Uh, have it on pause right now. My son and I beat it earlier this month uh, together. He's five years old. And so we're having a lot of fun with beat 'em ups. I think it's a great way to get kids into gaming uh, through violence. No, but uh, seriously, uh, <laughs> I think beat 'em ups are something that's, you know, button mashy and uh, fairly easy. It's not like platforming where you can, like Mario, where you can fall down in the holes or run into enemies and it's immediately over. You know, with, with beat 'em ups, you can just continuously move. It helps them learn to use the D-pad up and down, side to side, and, you know, some button mashing as far as kicking and jumping and things like that. So, he's getting really good, and we beat Final Fight 3 together earlier this month, and then we played Final Fight 2 right after that, and we didn't beat it. We didn't make it to the end, but today, uh, we made it to the end of Final Fight 3, and I had one guy left and beat the final boss of one guy just jump kicking the guy so uh just got just got kind of lucky that that was a fairly simple fight most final fight uh bosses you're going to take damage in some way there's somewhat uh some patterns to them a lot of times but uh a lot of times you're just going to take a beating you know Are you guys familiar with final fight games have you played them a lot not be beside the first one. That's the only one I have, yeah. and apparently that's not a great port of that no. game. I don't even know. It's awful. Uh, somebody just gave it to me. It's awful, and it's a shame because there's so many copies out there. Um, and it was a fantastic arcade game, and they just really screwed it up, uh, porting it to um, uh, the Super Nintendo. But I will say that Final Fight two and three are both really well done games. Um, the problem is they're both fairly expensive titles. I think Final Fight 2 runs about 50 to 60 bucks, and then the other is somewhere hmm. around 90 to $100 for Final Fight 3. So um, I, I was talking to Floyd before this call, and I said uh, the reason I'm kind of playing these games uh, continuously right now is to make some notes, because I think my next article is going to be uh, comparing these two games, and if sort of like from the perspective of if you're going to spend some money on these games, um, which one would you would you get? You know, if you only had to choose one, and so um, I think it'll be a nice compare contrast. And of course, these two games. What's cool about them is you can play them two player. Uh, the original Final Fight on the Super Nintendo was only a one player game, and it didn't even have Guy, uh, who was one of the main characters from Final Fight, in it, uh, which was. Uh, just kind of a shame, you know. And uh, I think with any beat 'em up, it, it, I feel like it's essential for every beat 'em up to be a two-player game. You know, that's what that's what makes them fun. You know. Yeah, for sure. Now, is that are the huge knocks against it that it's only single player and that it's missing guy, or is it actually like gameplay-wise not 
a good game. Stuff. Um, gameplay wise, it feels a little slow. Uh, compared to okay. compared to the other two games, it feels like it lags a bit. It feels like uh, the punches are, are a little bit slow. And I guess if it's the only thing you have to play, you kind of adjust to it. But uh, the difficulty is super as well in the in the first game. It's it's really heightened difficulty. I know um, I'm gonna have to go back and look at it, of course, for my review. Um, because I'll, I'll need to have a little bit of base from the first game. And I can't remember if you can actually set the um, difficulty, but with the, the latter two games, you can actually set the difficulty. Uh, you can up it or you can back it off, uh, which is very nice, um, you know, for some someone who just wants to, you know, be able to play through the whole game. Even though when you get to the end of both games, it tells you, why don't you try a little bit harder setting? So, so it makes a little bit, it makes fun of you and probably doesn't give you, you know, the uh, the best ending, but still, you know, you can play it with with a friend and still feel a sort of a, an accomplishment for you know beating the game at least, right? Cool. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Yeah. I, I'm not really. Uh, I mean, my favorite beat 'em ups were uh, obviously Turtles in Time mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. Alien versus Predator. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Which is one game that I actually had when I was a kid that I don't have. I I don't actively hunt for like NES or Super NES games mm-hmm. anymore, but I would love Alien versus Predator yeah. to fall into my hands. I don't hands. have that one. I don't have that beat 'em up. I have to check uh, that out. I don't know. I mean, I think it's it still holds up, but I'm not sure. I haven't played it in so long. I don't even know how how it's regarded nowadays. But I I remember playing the hell out of that game when I was younger. Cool. cool. I'm writing it down right now. I'll have to check that out. I I the two things that for most systems that I typically collect are um it, you know even if I have a small I don't I don't I guess what I'm saying I don't try to collect every game for every system. Um, but but mostly if the system has beat 'em ups or shmups on them, I'm gonna grab those games um, if, if they're decent. Some I will uh, skip, like uh, Baby's Kids on Super Nintendo. That's <laughs> an awful game. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah. Other than that, yeah. and the game. Other than that, in the game that uh, we played this month, that's about it. Um, so. Um, how about you, Floyd? Playing anything interesting as of late? You're a big PC guy, so. Yeah, I haven't played much, unfortunately. Um, just uh, just what I played with you guys. Yeah. Um, but I was sort of following the release of of a new indie game, and it's probably going to become the next uh, indie gem called Owl Boy. Oh, I've heard of that. That's a game yeah. that's been in development for something like uh, eight years or ten years. Okay. And, um, like gorgeous, gorgeous pixel artwork and, um, just like a really pretty looking game. Uh, it's got the same sort of like Zelda style dungeon, uh, traversal. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, exploration kind of thing going on and it's been on my radar and of course being a PC game, I know it's going to hit a sale eventually. So that's kind of what <laughs> I'm waiting for. Yeah. Um, like there's no collecting on on PC, so my my attitude is just you know if it's something I want, wait for a sale. Sure, sure. Um, but yeah, you know, just sort of keeping up to date on on sort of what's hot and what's new. Yeah. Well, once you get that, man, you'll have to report back and tell us how it is. We'll really yeah, like definitely. To check that out. That's cool. For sure. And it's busy season for you, right? 
because you work at the packaging store. So uh, Thanksgiving, everybody likes to get drunk for Thanksgiving. They have to put up with family. And then Christmas is yeah, coming yeah, that's around right. too, right? So, yeah, it's a busy mm-hmm. time for year. <laughs> Things are getting busy. <laughs> Hopefully you can find some time to play some racing games. I've been uh, firing up of the... Of course. Uh, <laughs> there's, always, there's always time for that. Yeah, I, I fired up the Road Rash 2 the other day. I've, I have no experience playing that game, and I just wanted to play and get a little bit of a feel for it. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I got to tell you, man, it's it's... Very retro. It's very primitive, but I loved it. I, I couldn't put it down. But that's sort of what. Yeah. yeah, that's kind of what makes it good, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was it was great. Just sort of yeah. learning, like you you know, uh, when you hit the turns to like hit the uh, hit the brake a little bit in the turns to 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 make those uh, kind of quick turns and, and kind of figuring out mm-hmm. that um, in preparation of getting ready for the racing event. Um, if you haven't heard. Um, at our generation, by the time this comes out, we'll already started our racing event, but uh, hopefully we'll get it in with the first week, and you can jump in and join us. And uh, we're playing, uh, see, we're playing F Zero Road Rash Two and Burnout Revenge, which will be fun. I just finished the trophy and sent you guys a picture of it. Finished it uh, this morning, so it's, yeah, yeah, that looks, looks so sick. cool. <laughs> I have fun with that, man. I, I hit the uh, thrift store this weekend, found two baseball trophies, and. Uh, uh, snagged one of my son's Hot Wheels that I didn't tell him about and uh, made a little bit of a racing <laughs> trophy. So uh, appreciate Floyd giving me the idea for the uh, the spark plug on top. Uh, and uh, I'll be posting that uh, in the next day or so. I'll be throwing that up on Twitter, a picture of it. Yeah, and then it's going to be really cool. Thread so that people know what they're Somebody's going to win that that awesome golden sparky. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've also got a, a medal as well that I'm thinking about doing for the second place finisher that just says first loser. Oh, I like that idea. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, it says first loser on it. I had an extra medal from, uh, <laughs> co- <laughs> had an extra medal from coaching my son's soccer team. Apparently we had a kid that dropped off the team. So I got an extra medal. I'm like, yeah, I can do something with that. You know, so <laughs> always trying to be resourceful and, uh, helping out the mm-hmm. cause here. So, mm-hmm. uh, how about pickups? Anybody had any big pickups lately? Man, I was trying. I, I actually went to Savers today yeah. and I was thinking, man, I hope I score something big that I could talk about on the podcast, but it was not meant to be. I, I did order, I've talked about limited run games yeah. before, and uh, I ordered their last uh, Vita game that they came out, which is a game called Volume. Okay. That looks like a kind of a stylized stealth game. Uh, it l- looks a lot like, and people are comparing it to uh, Metal Gear Solid VR missions. Mm-hmm. If anybody remembers that, mm-hmm. so that kind of I said, "Hell, I'll drop the twenty-five bucks for it. it looks good. Mm-hmm. Probably be worth worth something someday, and yeah. hopefully a fun game." So. Well, that's the cool thing about those, isn't it? Like, even if you don't like it, you know that you're not going to have a problem selling it later on. You know, because there's always collectors yeah, out there not. who are going to want that game. And so you'll at least always be able to get your money back off of those. And that's a kind of a comfortable feeling, I think. Um, let me. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. And I, I just want to throw in Game Informer did a uh, an article about mm-hmm. them, I think, two months ago. And it was very interesting. And I, I really want to keep my eye on them as a company because they're looking to do. Uh, much bigger production runs and i'm wondering if that's going to affect the market or like how hard it is to get these games or the value of them it's all very interesting to me so definitely going to keep an eye on them very cool well you mentioned that you drove by savers and went in there today looking for stuff i just want to ask you guys like kind of on a personal level um do you guys and this is maybe it's just me but like when i drive by like a goodwill or something i'm like should i stop in there 
And, and I'm just kind of like, I bet that stadium events is in there today. You know, <laughs> like what if I drive by and that stadium events is in there today? I, I always get that feeling. I know it sounds completely pathetic and silly, but uh, I, I always have that kind of mentality when I drive near those stores. No, I get that too. Yeah. Um, like I'll, I'll drive by a Goodwill yeah. or, well, we don't really have Goodwill up here anymore. They kind of went out yeah, of business. But, yeah. Um, yeah, a Valley Village or Salvation Army or something like that. And I'm thinking, you know, oh, geez, what, what, what can I find in there? And I think, ah, uh, they're probably looking at eBay for prices. Yeah. And then I just keep going in the car, and I think, well, what if I did miss that? You know. Yeah. Rare, amazing, you know, high ticket item. You never know. I mean, you never know where their heads at. Sometimes I've felt that way know, before, but I then I found some, you know, real gems in Goodwills. Yeah. Um, I found, uh, I think it was uh, Elemental Master. Um, there not long ago for five bucks. I mean, it's like a $35, $40 game loose, you know? And, um, I mean, it it just happens, you know, it just happened to be like in the back of a stack. No one had grabbed it or anything. And that's it. And it's like, it's such a numbers game, you know, like you need to strike Mm -hmm. out 10 times before, before you find something. Oh, absolutely. But that 10th time, man, it feels so good when you find something really cool. Exactly. uh, Yeah. It kind of keeps the hunt alive and kind of makes you, you know, Mm -hmm. just want to stop and check it, check it out. So. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. For me, the, the Goodwills are kind of notorious, but it's funny. My last like decent score, which was a long time ago, was that copy of Diablo I found in a Goodwill for like a dollar ninety nine, the PlayStation one version of it. Um, but yeah, it's funny. I totally do not ever like think, wow, what if I don't go into say, cause <laughs> actually here there's a million Goodwills and a million yeah. savers. So it would take me all day, every day to go to all of them. But like, you know, I mean, I hate to sound like, I don't even know what the word is, egotistical or spoiled or whatever, but I'm not even like really looking for anything anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm just kind of hoping to be surprised when I go into these places. And I got to tell you, if I found like, if I found like a little Samson or a stadium events, I would probably sell it to one of you guys. (laughs) Like I'm not, I don't even, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like I'm not even interested in that kind of stuff anymore. So I would be, I would be jumping for joy for sure. I'd probably, you know soil my undies if i found a little samson but (laughs) you know i'm not thinking oh what if what if it's in there and i'm missing it like yeah it's odd i don't know and and, you know i think it's i think my mentality comes from you know sort of collecting before the collection craze hit um you know for so many years and and just going in every time and finding goods you know yeah at Mm -hmm. least so it's so rare now though yeah yeah i mean used to be able to I used to be able to go in like every weekend and find like, you know, like a Super Castlevania or, you know, Super Mario World, Mario Kart, you know, all those, you know, very popular titles. They they were always there, um, you know, and spend a little money and then, um, you know, sell them and then um, or keep them if I didn't have them and just upgrade, mm-hmm. you know, the ones I had, my labels, sell them, you know, to buy more games, uh, you know, and uh, rinse and repeat. But Man, you can't do that anymore. It's just, uh, it's, it's not there. That market is not there. So mm-hmm. um, I've I've kind of changed my strategy. Um, I've uh, been like getting a lot of board games. I'm finding uh, I've got a really good uh, goodwill out near where I work, and uh, every once in a while these old board games will come in, and uh, a lot of people are kind of getting into collecting those now. And so I'm find, finding that niche, or like there'll be like a stuffed animal, like I found like a a gummy bears stuffed animal from like the eighties. Like, and, uh, you know, there's 
I'll just kind of look it up and there's people collecting that sort of stuff, you know, that mm-hmm. sort of nostalgia stuff. And lot, Well, that's, that's kind yeah. of the thing, right? What's old is new again. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. You know, a lot of times you just kind of know. You you just see it and you're like, mm-hmm. I know that's worth something. I'm going to have to look. Um, and, uh, yeah. some, and, and and at least, e- even if it's not worth a whole lot or if it's worth as much as I paid for it, at least there's somebody out there that I can kind of save it for and that will appreciate it, you know. So so that's always mm-hmm. kind of nice as well. But uh, anyway. Yeah, I mean, as far as pickups, um, I'll go ahead and talk about two big ones that I had. Uh, Krabby sent me a, um, a Caltron 6-in-1, um, which is a uh, unlicensed uh, Nintendo game, uh, very hard to find. Um, and the 6-in-1 was done by uh, Caltron, but uh, later on there's another company called uh, Myriad uh, who actually bought the rights to that game and slapped another label on it with their name on it, and apparently that one is uh, even more rare and worth a lot more money. But uh, I'm just happy to have... Um, uh, just six games for the Nintendo that I've never played before that actually were around at the time the Nintendo was out. So uh, I'm pretty stoked about that pickup. And um, I guess I think I texted you guys that uh, I picked up a new pinball machine uh, yesterday, um, a skateball, a Bally skateball. And uh, I've been looking for that one for about four or five years now. And uh, just really happy. My buddy contacted me. He was at the local auction. And of course, you know where I was at soccer game and mm-hmm. uh so he contacted me and i was like man he's like i know you've been looking for it i was like well if, you know you pick it up for me i'll make it worth your while so he did and uh, he's holding it for me right now he's a good buddy and uh you know we help each other out that's the thing about pinball if there's something special you're looking for it's good to have a nice little core of friends um that you uh you help each other out you know you know what they're looking for they know what you're looking for so if it ever pops up you can uh jump on it really quick or they can help you jump on it quick so uh yeah i'm really stoked to have it it's beautiful it's nice i've almost bought this machine three times earlier but they were all like ragged and beat up and this one is just in nice pristine shape and i got it for um what people in uh the pinball community would consider a steal. So uh, very happy about oh, that's that. That's really good. Yeah, yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, still selling a few more pins and uh, trying to make some room in the winter for mm-hmm. my wife's car. So she'll be happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As much as I'd love to have a pinball machine of my own at home, I know it's not going to happen. So I've just been, um, you know, going to, to bars and whatnot and finding out if they have machines or if they know of places with machines. Yeah. I've, I've, uh, put together a pretty reliable list of like, Oh, if I want to go play, um, twilight zone, yep. I know where to go. Yep. Or if I want to play fishtails, I know where to go. Right. So right. that's the next best thing. Right. Yep. And, and most cities have, um, like an app that you can use to like find pinball where people will like register what machines are where. And even when the machines mm-hmm. change in a place, they'll, they'll swap, you know, uh, they'll update it. Uh, so, you know, if that's something you're interested in, I would definitely, uh, especially since you guys live in, uh, in or close to big cities, um, mm-hmm. you guys should have a nice pinball map. I mean, I'm sure Austin's got a ton of pinball, uh, bars. Yeah, I've been looking like at that, that site a lot too. Toronto as well. Well, yeah. we have, that arcade, I've texted yeah. you about it a oh, couple yeah, times. Oh, yeah, you sent me pictures, man. I mean, they have, like, everything I can mm-hmm. ever yeah. want there. It's a drool fest, man. That place is awesome. <laughs> yeah. I wish you could see it because I'm just, like, a casual fan of pinball, you know? Like, you would uh, probably appreciate it more than I do, you know? 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, you'd probably like to watch me just wig out in a place like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I ever come to Austin, we'll definitely check it out, which which I would love to at some point. And Toronto as well. I actually have family uh, that lives around Toronto, Floyd. So if I'm ever in the area, I will let you guys know for sure. And you're always welcome here well, in yeah. North Carolina if you want to come to North Carolina. Sure, likewise, man. If you ever come, you got a place to I stay here that. in Austin. I appreciate that. <clears throat> So, uh, I guess with no further ado, I guess we should sort of get into uh, our game Heavy Rain. But before that, I do want to talk about one more thing, and it's something we mentioned. This is our, not our 100th episode, but the 100th game that we've played uh, for our playthrough. Um, you know, we, we didn't start recording till uh, how long have we been recording? We've been doing this for over three years now, haven't we? Um yeah, this is this will be our thirty third episode, wow, I think. That's incredible. I just recorded the intro, I should know. <laughs> <laughs> so we're right on the doorstep of, of three years. Yeah. 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 It's uh it's been a long ride. It's been a fun ride. I think we started I think our first episode was in February. Um, but uh we you know, we recorded uh that pilot episode well no that was in february the pilot episode i think was in so february yeah. It was yeah, yeah. yeah but uh before that um you know we had already started the playthrough and it wasn't until later that uh we decided to start podcasting about it and um since then um of course you know we, we used to have a retro and a modern side where we would play a retro and a modern game there were times where we would play multiple games you know whether it be like a competition or um, you know, just a, just a month where, you know, we wanted to play a few games instead of just one. And then of course this year we narrowed it down to where we're doing one game a month. But even with that, it seems like sometimes we'll find the need to fit a few games in when, uh, you know, uh, game times or play times aren't that long. So I did want to really quick, um, read off, um, our schedule and the hundred games that we played, uh, hopefully for some of our listeners who are actually members of the site and who actually participate, uh, this list will be something you'll enjoy hearing and you can, uh, reminisce about, uh, the times you had with some of these games. So without further ado, I'm going to start back in December, 2012, and it carried over till January 2013. It was the first game that we played, and this was the one that Krabby hosted. It was The Last Story. Uh, next, we played Batman Arkham Asylum. Then Aladdin, The Jungle Book, The Lion King, and Goof Troop. Super Mario RPG. DuckTales Remastered and Castle of Illusion. Castlevania II Simon's Quest, Fragile Dreams. Abe's, uh, Oddworld, Abe's Odyssey. Max Payne 3. Streets of Rage 1, 2, and 3 in Crazy Taxi, Mischief Maker, Zelda Wind Waker, Parasite Eve, Kingdom Hearts, Fantasy Star, The Last of Us, uh, Atari 2600 games, Pitfall, Kaboom, Spider Fighter, Sequest, Stampede, Keystone Capers, Enduro, Sky Jinx, Magical Star Sign, uh, Donkey Kong Country 1 and 2, Lost in Shadow, Suicoden, Shadow of the Colossus, Chrono Trigger, and we did a PC indie mix, which included Minecraft, Gone Home, The Stanley Parable, and Dear Esther. We played Beyond Oasis, Miramasa the Demon Blade, Suicoden 2, Eco, Castlevania Symphony of the Night, Alan Wake, Super, Mar uh, Super Metroid, System Shock 2. Uh, we did a uh, competition in December of 2014 with retro shmups and modern shmups, uh, including Gradius, UN Squadron, Lightning Force, Ray Crisis, R-Type Final, Zionide, Sin and Punishment, and Automedius Excellent. 
Uh, we played Kid Icarus, 50 Cent Blood on the Sand, Zelda, Link to the Past, 999, Midi- Medieval, Batman Arkham Origins, Paper Mario, Tomb Raider, 2013 edition, Shining Force, Kirby's Epic Yarn, Mega Man 2 and 3, Mass Effect, Golden Axe 1, 2, and 3, Warhammer 40k Space Marine, Little Nemo, Spec Ops The Line, Metal Gear Solid, Indigo Prophecy, Castlevania Bloodlines, Resident Evil, Secret of Evermore, Gravity Rush, Contra, Rolling Thunder 2, and Metal Slug 3, Super Mario Bros. 3, Super Mario World, Folklore, Life is Strange, Ease Books 1 and 2, Bully, Illusion of Gaia, Uncharted, Legend of Zelda, Jaws, Lego Batman 2, Shadow of Destiny, Heavy Rain is the final one. So that's 100 games, guys. Any special memories of uh, any of these games? Any that you, any that maybe particularly stuck with you during the playthroughs? Fifty cents, blood <laughs> yeah, on the sand. I was gonna say my favorite. You know what? Reading that just now just put a smile <laughs> on my face. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think that was the one that kind of surprised everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I- some really great games, some some really weird combinations in there too. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, you know what? That's basically you know, a hundred times that we had fun doing what we do. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, it's funny you yeah, mentioned think- that showing the blood on the sand because it took me a while to find another copy because last year I gave my brother my copy for Christmas because I, I couldn't find one anywhere, a complete copy. Anyway, so I, I gave him my copy for Christmas along with a few other games. And I've been looking for another one. I was like, surely you know, I'll be able to find one. And, and it took me several months, and I finally got it again uh, to put back in my collection. But now one of the local stores has a copy of it. And every time I walk by it somebody and I see somebody looking at PlayStation 3 games, I just want to be like, Hey man, you need to try this game out, you know. But I never do. <laughs> mm-hmm. But but I want to. I want to be like, hey man, seriously, you need to try this out because I think no one would take me seriously, you know. They'd be like, this jerk's just trying to get me to spend money on a stupid game, you know. But uh, uh, I I know that they would be surprised and, and love it. If they played it. That's funny. Uh, anything stands out for you, Sean? Yeah, I mean, honestly, Fragile Dreams was yeah. still one of my. Mm-hmm. My biggest things that was my first game as as host where you you know I had just joined the the crew here mm-hmm. and uh, I I just I thought it was a really cool opportunity I took it like super seriously at the time not that I don't now right. but it was like a big deal for me to be doing it you know what I mean yeah. and it turned out to just be a really good game a really like special touching moving kind of game that mm-hmm. like is a real one-of-a-kind experience that i i will really cherish like having having had the real life experience of stepping up to the plate to host a playthrough and also the experience of the game itself which was amazing so yeah for me that game is the one on this list that i regret uh, not finishing the most um, oh, I don't even remember that. Yeah. I didn't know you didn't. I, I yeah. did. I, I hosted Castlevania Two Simon's Quest that month, and I think I was putting a lot oh, of. That's uh, right. That's I think right. I was putting a lot of time into that game, and I think some things were kind of going on life wise. And you know, that was a time when we were playing. You know, we were split up, and we were playing both playthroughs um, because there was a time we were saying, "Okay, we only have to play it on our on, you know, whatever side we were on the modern or the retro side." Um, but, mm-hmm. but at that time we were trying to play everything and that was, 
that was tough. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, um, and, and I did not get to finish that game and I really regret, um, putting that down because it was such a, a cool, such a weird, such a, a game that just made me feel just really, uh, uh odd, you know, and, 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 mm-hmm. you know, on the edge of my seat, it wasn't, it, it's not a horror, t- horror title, but in a way it kind of is, it's very unsettling. Um, and I, I never got to figure out what that game was about or what the ending of that game was. And it, it's bothered me ever since I really need to go back and check that out. And, uh, it, it's one that I, even though I, I didn't finish it's one game that I definitely recommend to people, you know, it's like, Oh man, you need to play that. It's, it's yeah. so good. Um, but th- yeah, it really is just hearing you talk about it makes me want to go back and <laughs> yeah, play it again. Yeah, I know, Right. And like, I've, I've introduced that game to so many friends now and they, and they all love it. Mm. Um, like, you know, for the atmosphere, for, um, like that roguelike RPG aspect of, you know, leveling up and breakable weapons. Yeah. Like it's just got so many cool ideas going on. Yeah. Well, uh, I don't know how much I would recommend it anymore. It's really shot up in price. I don't know if you've seen that, but it's really, oh, yeah. Are you kidding me? No, oh, I wow. think it's like, it was 50, like 1299 new It's like 50 or 60 bucks forever. now, man. Holy crap, yeah. that's great. Yeah, yeah, I'm surprised. I mean, that's not great, actually. Well, Sometimes, like, part of you says, oh, yeah, something I have went up in value, but then it's like less people will play that now. It, that kind yeah, of sucks. That's, that's where I'm coming from. Yeah, yeah, and <clears> I know. understand that aspect of it, too, but I think there's sort of the aspect as well as this game is getting the credit it kind of deserves. It's not a game that, um, it's not one of those games that, you know, sort of like Contra, like, that's not rare, but it just just because so many people like it, it's it's worth a lot of money. You know, this game is something that I think is mm-hmm. finally getting the respect it deserves as far as, you know, a price increase. People are saying, hey, this is actually a really good game for, you, you know, a system that's not that far gone, you know, in the Wii. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, I think it feels kind of nice. You know, I don't, I mean, I don't look at my copy of Fragile Dreams and say, hey, this game's worth 60 bucks now, that's cool. You know, I look at it and say, this is a great game, you know, and, and I think the mm-hmm. price maybe kind of reflects it. Maybe it's getting, um, uh, some well-deserved attention, but at the same yeah. time I'm with you, Sean, I mean, you hate to see a game like that go up in price for the simple fact that not, it's not going to be available to as many people, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I get that too. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's a, it's a cool list. I don't know what game stands out the most for me, but I will say that, um, Shadow of the Colossus was the game that kind of changed the way I thought about gaming. And uh, after I played that game, it just, it blew me away. It, it's probably my, I can say pro- now that that's probably my favorite game of all time. And, uh, wow. yeah, and uh, looking at this list, I loved Eco as well. And, uh, gosh, there was one more that I wanted to mention, and it just kind of slipped my mind. Um I'm sure, but uh, yeah, I mean, playing these games with you guys has been incredible. The, some of the RPGs we played, Shining Force, uh, Sui Coden, playing those two games for the first time. Oh, yeah, the game I wanted to mention, Parasite Eve, blew me away as well. That, well, that was the one that oh, yeah. completely yeah, blew that my was socks awesome. off. Awesome. Um, so it's been a fun <laughs> ride. I hope it continues. I hope we can just keep going and going, and uh, before long, we'll be doing our 200th game show. So uh, yeah, congratulations, guys. Nice job, and. Uh, Look forward to doing it in the future even more.
Hey, this is Kelsey, aka Crabmaster from the RF Generation Collector Cast. Um, excuse the nasally voice today, I'm fighting off a little bit of a cold. Um, Rich and me were trying to, to get together to record um, a little spot for the show, and unfortunately our schedules just didn't line up. So I'm recording this solo, and he's going to try and slap it on to the, the playcast somehow. Um, so the reason he wanted me to do that was because the original playthroughs in the RF Gen, I started years ago, and and Rich and the guys have, have picked it up and, and run with it like crazy since then. Um, so he wanted to know a few things like um, why did I start the play or why did I start the playthroughs? Uh, the biggest reason was I didn't want to play through new stuff with people or online things. I wanted to play through classics that we had um, either missed out or just hadn't played in years and have, have a forum of people playing through it and sharing their thoughts and, and tips and stuff, um, kind of like the old schoolyard gossip when, when you got a new game um, and you just got to chat with everybody and see what their thoughts were, who was finding secret items and stuff like that. Um, and and it was good. It was fun. I think we did it for about a year. Um, and then I had some life changes come up and wasn't able to run with it, so it kind of went on hiatus for a while until the Playcast guys picked it up and uh, and have done much better with it and, and hit tons of awesome games and, and run it for, for much, much longer than I have. It's pretty crazy that they're, they're hitting their 100th game already, too. Like, it's... That's just a amazing thing to run that many games, um, and and to have the opportunity to play through all these these classics and hidden gems. Um, as I know, they've hit genres all over the board, from JRPGs to platformers to shooters to shoot 'em ups to racers. Like, there's not not neglecting anything, which is awesome. So I'm hoping you guys can can make it to 200 games, and um, I just moved recently, so I'm I'm still setting up my new game room. But once that's all set up, I'm hoping to to join in a lot more often than I've been able to this last year. So the hundredth game is Heavy Rain, um, which is a really cool game. Um, so my first experience playing with it, it was my first kind of uh, I missed out on um, some of the Telltale games and the other like really heavy choice heavy games um, and I'm not much of a uh, Bioware guy um, so I, I missed out on a lot of those with the exception of, of the Jade Empire so that, that's pretty much the only really good and bad choice um, game that I have played up until Heavy Rain here so I'm going into this relatively fresh um, all I know is it's supposed to be very cinematic and I've seen the, the opening scenes in the mall where you're trying to find your son um, and that's about it. I'm going in with very unknowing expectations. Um, and like within the first 30, 40 minutes, um, I remember just being enthralled. I could not put it down. I hadn't played a game like this before or anything, even the roots of a game like this. This was very new to me and really drawing me in. Love suspense and, and mystery. Um, so not knowing who, who the killer was and not really anticipating um, big twist near the end it was just unreal. Um, one thing that I did do, and I really deeply regret it, is at the time I was hunting trophies like crazy. I wanted a big, big PlayStation score. So I, as soon as I finished it, 
I looked up um, where the rest of the trophies were, what decisions I had to make, and I played through all the other endings, all the other decisions, and, and got 100% platinum trophy on this game. That was a really big mistake on this game. Thinking back on my experience now, I, I really blur a lot of the endings together, and I'm not sure which one I originally got. Um, and since playing this game, I've, I've grabbed a lot of the other games, like um, like some of the Telltale Walking Dead, um, Beyond Two Souls, uh, more recently Until Dawn, and those games I've played one concise playthrough and just kind of took a lot of time to let the experience and the ending soak in, and I have so much better memories of those now because they're not all distorted and blurred. They are they are my endings, my playthroughs, and they feel a little more personal, I think, than, than Heavy Rain does to me now because I, I've sullied that experience. So that'd be my one um, word of advice if you're playing a, a game of this style is don't run through it again right away. Don't see what the other choices are. Just be satisfied with your, your ending and and just let it um, soak in you and, and take some time to, to pick it apart and think about it and why did you make certain decisions or were some decisions made for you because you didn't um, hit some quick time events or something. Um, it, I think it really makes it a lot more special. Um, even the parts you, you fail at that you, you could probably do on a second playthrough, um, it's you only get one chance in real life, so kind of play it like that. Um, and it makes these kind of games a little more special, I think. Um, so to wrap up, I'm um, just um, really proud of you guys to, to keep this going for as long as you have. And I hope you've got the energy and the will to to run it for at least another 100 games. I'm hoping to, to take a lot more part uh, this coming year and um, see what kind of cool gems you, you pull out of the collection to, to play this time around. Good job, guys. Keep it up. Anyway, uh, I think now we can go ahead and get into talking about Heavy Rain. Um, I had mentioned uh, previously on the on the previous show that we're going to have a special guest this month, and unfortunately, our special guest uh, was not able to make it. Uh, hopefully, we can get him to throw in a little sound bite about the playthroughs. But we were going to have Crabmaster um, on uh, from the Collector Cast. He's actually the one that started the playthroughs with the last story on our site, and so we thought it'd be cool to have him in for the hundredth game. Uh, but he's recently he just had some surgery on his eyes, so he's not able to uh, uh, look at a computer screen or do anything like that. And uh, the next week that we had to record, uh, he's actually helped running the convention as he's very busy with his store. So we definitely understand that and. Uh, uh, sorry it didn't work out and we would have loved to had him on and, and spoken to him and hopefully we can pick him up for another show at some point but um, yeah let's go ahead and get into Heavy Rain um, it was written and directed by David Cage who's the founder of Quantic Dream which were the developers of this game published by Sony Computer Entertainment uh, released exclusively on the PS3 in February of 2010 um they actually, from what I understand, offered the rights uh, to Microsoft uh, for the 360, uh, but Microsoft sort of uh, 
turned them down, didn't want to really do it, didn't want to take a chance. Um, and the reason they didn't want to take a chance was because there's, um, you know, no big spoiler because it happens early in the game. There's uh, the death of a kid in the game, and uh, there's another kid that has the possibility of dying in the game. And so they didn't want to take a chance on that. So PlayStation was like, well, you know what? We're going to go ahead and uh, fund this game and uh, publish it. And uh, uh, basically, um, it was exclusive to PS3. Uh, and is now available. From what I understand, there's a, an updated version on the PS4, correct? Yes, sir. Yeah. And also, I, I, I think I forgot to put a spoiler warning in the intro. So for anybody <laughs> listening, we're going to spoil the living hell out of this game. So yeah. <laughs> so if you haven't played it, you might want to pause and go check it out and come back to yeah, us. If you listen to our show, you probably should know we spoil the hell out of every game we talk about. So that's, mm-hmm. that's no big mm-hmm. deal. Yeah, that's kind of why I don't even do it anymore. I think <laughs> yeah. people know what to expect. Yeah, yeah. Kind of what we do. Yeah, that's what we do. I mean, I don't think that we could really talk about a game and really get into the... Uh, the nuts and bolts of a game without being able to discuss the ending and uh, we tried that early on in our in our show and it just uh it seemed a little flat sometimes and i think when you have the freedom to talk about the game fully it you get a better product and uh, so that's the direction we decided to go so yep if you're worried about spoilers uh you probably shouldn't be listening to this podcast go out and play the game though immediately and then come listen to our show it's not a very long game, and uh, it is definitely worth your time, as uh, I'm sure my co-host uh, would agree. Uh, but um, but yeah, Heavy Rain is a, a QTE, Quick Time Event Heavy uh, game. That's what it's based on. And uh, it's an interactive action-adventure drama. Uh, it's uh, um, kind of centered around a, a serial killer. You play as four different characters in the game, and I'm sure we'll go into in-depth uh, about those characters and things we liked or didn't like about those characters in a little while. Uh, IGN and GameSpy um, actually gave it the 2010 Game of the Year Award, so you know, don't just take it from us. There's other people who love this game as well. Um, and as I mentioned, there was an enhanced version released on the PS4 in March of 2016, so... Uh, very recently. Um, just a quick note, uh, participants for this month included Dougley007, uh, Fleech, and Ghost 81 my co-host, of course. Metal Fro, who uh, I've been listening to him. He's playing this game for the first time, just like myself. And uh, it, it's always fun to uh, to watch the uh, discussion threads on our website when people are playing something for the first time and getting their input. Um, Noise Redux has said he's going to play the game. We haven't seen him post anything about it yet, but he's going to fire it up, he says, and play it. Uh, Pam, of course, played this game with us. She had played it before, but uh, she has uh, posted some great thoughts on the thread as well about this game, and of course myself. Uh, So a little bit smaller group than I had anticipated for our 100th game, but at the same time, I think when you pick a game that's not, um, uh, how should I say, uh, too far gone, I mean this was 2010, it was about six years ago, and um, when you play a game like this, like a sort of dramatic game, uh, it's hard to get people to go back and play something that they already sort of know the story to, you know? You guys feel that way? Yeah, I would think so. I, I mean, I don't know. This is this game is probably in that like middle era mm-hmm. where more modern gamers like us have already played the game, mm-hmm. and a lot of retro gamers aren't interested. So, yeah. I can I I think we had a a good enough turn. Oh, yeah, Actually, absolutely. I think it's more for this message board. I think it's more about the quality of the discussion mm-hmm. and. 
Uh, for this game in particular, we've had some great, great discussion and, and we'll get into that. We have some, I don't want to say controversial, but we've had some really good back and forth about mm-hmm. certain themes and, and aspects of the story mm-hmm. and uh, elements and all kinds of things in here that we have uh, different viewpoints on. So it was really cool to see. Uh, you know, you, you take your own viewpoint for granted, as is human nature, and you read what somebody else thought about something that you might have thought was innocuous, and it's kind of an issue. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's very interesting to see that kind of stuff, and that's what makes uh, these playthroughs so great, is when we get this kind of quality yeah. uh, participation. Yeah, yeah definitely um, for a game like this, where, you know, you can take such a, a personal uh, interpretation and personal experience out of what you get. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, this is really like the perfect game that, you know, suited for discussion. Absolutely. I mean, I agree with that. And I think we all come from, you know, different walks of life, um, you know, f- different family dynamics and things like that. And I think having different perspectives, you know, in those areas is what, you know, makes it it special. A certain part of the game, and it, I'll, I'll get into this a little bit later, there's a certain part of the game that, um, you know, might affect me more than it does someone else, you know, for, you know, obvious reasons, um, which I'll get into, of course. But um, it, that's what makes it special. And the good thing about RF Generation, it's always been a place um, that, that's always been open for discussion, but everything is always friendly, you know. I mean, no one, you know, if, if someone feels a certain way about something, no one's going to attack that person for, you know, having those thoughts or, or anything like that. Everything is always has always, you know, as far as I know, has, has been civil on the site. And it's, um, you know, it's that's uh, due to the moderators and the fact that, you know, people just really don't put up with, uh, um, <laughs> you, you know, um, trolls on the site, I guess is the best way to say it, right? So uh, it's, al- it's always been a, a great discussion uh, place. And uh, like you said, there's there haven't been a ton of people that played this game this month, but the quality... Um, of the discussion has been um, immaculate and um, it's just been really, really pleased. Um, I finished the game in three days, um, sort of mid-month. I got a little bit late start on it. Um, well, not, not really mid-month. I guess around the 10th or so I started the game and I finished it in three days. So, of course, we have these like checkpoints in the game and we kind of limit discussion to the checkpoint so that things aren't spoiled for everyone and everyone has time to reach that checkpoint before we discuss it and uh it's funny because my responses now are from having finished the game so i have to kind of go back and look to see like what chapters have been played and and sort of what i did was i took notes as i was playing this game so i wrote down like what my feelings were at that time so the things that you're seeing me post you know, obviously I know what the ending is, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the things that you're seeing me post are my actual thoughts that I had written down when I was playing the game up to that part of the checkpoint. So I wanted to keep it as, uh, keep the discussion as authentic as I could, you know, even if I know things now that I didn't know then, um, I think it's kind of cool to see what my thought process was during that. And, uh, you'll, you'll get a little more of that with the third checkpoint coming very soon. So. Well, um, I'll go ahead and talk about the story of Heavy Rain. Um, uh, basically, family man Ethan Mars' life is torn apart when one of his sons, who's supposed to be watching, who he's supposed to be watching, uh, steps in front of a moving car and is killed. Uh, he tries to save him, and um, in doing so, he's in a coma for six months. Um, 
and we discover that he's a little bit later we discover he's no longer with his wife he lives in a smaller uh, uh, more mundane house uh, than what he was living in before he seemed to be a very successful architect and it looks like this event has really uh, crushed his life um, and is almost his will to live um, and he uh, sometimes suffers from these blackouts uh, it's not long before his remaining son is actually kidnapped by the infamous origami killer, and uh, Ethan must go to extreme lengths to save him. You basically play as Ethan in this game, and also as three other characters, uh, as their storyline intertwines. And you, the big question is, who is this origami killer? That's what you're trying to figure out, trying to save Ethan's son. And basically it makes you question, what extremes would you go to to save your own child? Uh, so it's a very powerful and moving game. Uh, so what did you guys think about the story? Um, was it was it very effective? It did it, did it move you guys? That's a tough question, <laughs> you know that that's a really tough question because um, it's it's really the story of four stories converging sure, into one sure. Um, and then you have to decide, you know, am I going to look at it as a whole or am I going to look at, at it as the four stories individually? Mm-hmm. Um, I think there are definitely certain characters that, that had more compelling stories than, than others. I would agree. Yep. And I think, uh, certain stories were more, more interesting and that, that definitely had you more invested and, and emotionally charged than, than others but uh like overall i think it's it's a well done game mm-hmm. um you know it's not without its flaws sure. but you know as a whole i think it's it's really well done it's it's executed well and and they pull off a hard a hard thing to do and they pull it off with a good amount of of grace i guess you would say yeah yeah i i agree with that i mean anytime that you're trying to have four separate storylines and converge them basically into one uh, as a as sort of an overall narrative. I think you, you greatly risk having more holes in your plot when you're doing that, mm-hmm. right? Because there's more questions to be answered. Um, and, and so I think they pull it off quite well. Uh, are there holes in the plot in this game? Yeah, of course there are holes in the plot in this game. Yeah. Um, but I, I think the story is so compelling overall that you don't you tend not to focus on that i mean of course you know it it, they're going to cross your mind every once in a while you know you will you might question well i wonder why this was this way or and and not this way but at the same time it's something you can kind of put on the back burner back burner and kind of ignore for the sake of the um overall sort of success of the game and how well it's done Mm -hmm. um how about you sean i think oh sorry I was going to say this was a, a second playthrough for me, and I definitely got a lot more out of it this time than the first okay. time. Interesting. Because um, the first time around, it was really um, like I didn't know what to expect, and I didn't know what I was getting into. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was a lot of taking it at, at face value. And, and, you know, so this time around, um, you know, I could think about more, think more about the character's motivations mm-hmm. and, um, you know, what's, what's really driving mm-hmm. the scene and what's really like, what are these people trying to do? And mm-hmm. from a creative standpoint, what is this game trying to do? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I've always wondered that, like in, in playing it the second time through, I know that's not what the intent is of this game, but 
it's like watching a movie that you already know the ending to. It's like um, the best movie I could maybe compare it to. Have you guys seen The Game with Michael Douglas and Sean Penn? Yeah. I think so. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a kind of movie that you can really only watch one time because you know like what the ending is. It's hard mm-hmm. to watch it again unless you're watching with a group of people who've never seen it before. You know, It's not one you're just going to pull off the shelf every year and watch. Right. Um, but yeah, I think like... Uh, for this game, I'm trying to think what point I was trying to make. I've kind of lost my train of thought here. Um, but um, just connecting with the story. Yeah, you were saying. Yeah, I think I think like playing it like a second time. Like Floyd said, you already. Yeah, here it is. You already you already know what the ending's going to be, and so like you can look at the overall narrative in a different way since you know basically mm-hmm. who the origami killer is. You can look and see if there's anything that kind of points that out in the game or like what his motivations for doing certain things are in the game. You know what I mean? For And, and like, right. like for me, who you know, I'm playing it for the first time. I have no idea. But going back a second time, I'm looking at it with a different set of eyes, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That was the point I was trying to make. <laughs> Sorry. That was a little long. <laughs> but, but you got there in the end. Yeah. yeah. I will say I I kind of tried to do that. I actually, um, you know, knowing that Scott Shelby is the ends up being the killer, yeah. I kind of wanted to see like, are there any uh, clues to that? And I don't know if any jumped out at me. To be mm-hmm. honest, I don't know if it's one of those things where you. Um, I just saw a movie called Arrival, which mm-hmm. had some really good elements. That by the oh, end I of the really movie, I really want to see that. Oh, it's good, Floyd. You should mm-hmm. check it out. By the end of the movie, it's one of those things where it's like, oh, I got to go back and watch this whole movie again because mm-hmm. it's now it's a whole different perspective. But um, with Heavy Rain, um, I don't think I, I don't think I got anything new and I don't think I found myself more invested in the story. It was good. It was good to like revisit it um, because when I played it, I played it when it first came out. I was trying to remember like. I think my my wife might have just bought this game right when it came out because she used to do that for me every once in a while, like surprise me with a brand new game and bring it home for me. And I think this was one of them. Um, And I remember like being blown away by it, being really invested in the story, Mm -hmm. caring about all the characters. Mm -hmm. But as I wrote on the forum, I treated this playthrough more as a goof. I was really trying to... (laughs) (laughs) I was really trying to fail a lot just to see what would happen. And I decided to try to get all the main characters killed by the end of the game, which I did. And one thing that I I just want to put put right out there, which was really cool about my two playthroughs together. Mm -hmm. And I put this on the forum. The first time I played the game, the character Lauren, who becomes friends with Scott Mm -hmm. Shelby uh, early in the game, gets killed uh when the rich guy tries to murder you and you can rescue her but in my first playthrough she got killed and i remember being really upset about that because i wanted to have like a quote-unquote clean playthrough Mm -hmm. you know right so this time in this playthrough she's actually the only one that survived and she ends up killing scott shelby at the in the end so that was my last main character to go and she lauren was the only one to survive so it was like a perfect inverse of my first playthrough so see now now i have a reason to go play it for a third time yeah (laughs) yeah there's a lot of crazy stuff i even looked on youtube and saw stuff that i was like wow like uh, how did they even get to that point Mm -hmm. like there's yeah I think there's something See, like 28 unique endings, like wow, ending wow. segments. Yeah. So yeah. 
it's, crazy. Uh, and, and that one, it is really crazy. And that was one of our questions. I put something out on Twitter today uh, <clears> to <throat> see if anyone had any questions that they want to propose tonight. And Metal Fro, who actually played this, uh, who's actually playing this with us for the first time, that was his question. How many possible endings are there? So I'm glad that you... Uh, uh, did a little bit of research and found that out because I, I wasn't able to do that before the call. And, uh, you know, um, that that's amazing that, that there is that there are that many possible endings. That's that's crazy. I mean, this game is so yeah. well thought out. Yeah. Um, yeah. And imagine how much work that would be to, first of all, write all these different endings and, and ha- write how these endings are going to come to be. Mm-hmm. And then to. You know, like, because I guess it's all it's all motion capture. So to act out all those scenes. Well, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we should probably clarify for people who don't know the way the endings, quote unquote, of this game works is that you'll get like a kind of a series of vignettes that relate to each character mm-hmm. with some like a. I don't know if they all have that news broadcast, but all the ones I've mm-hmm. seen start with a news broadcast. I think they all start then, with it. Yeah. Right, yeah, so that's yeah. going to have a different context each time, and then you get a little vignette for each character. Mm-hmm. So it's 28 of those vignettes, but they all can get mixed and matched sure. based on how you played the game and who mm-hmm. survived or, or what what happened to them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that's one of the incredible things. I mean, p- there are complaints and valid ones about the plot holes in this game, but still, mm-hmm. I mean, this isn't a novel. It's not a movie. It's not a linear story. Like right. the crew that made this game had to at least tr- they did their best to account for, you know, however many branching plot lines, you know, that that would end up converging in the end mm-hmm. in you know, however many different ways those combinations of those of those characters. Mm-hmm. So I think it's still pretty impressive, like warts and all, plot holes and all. Yeah, no, I agree. And uh, I thought it was interesting that you brought up that um, uh, Lauren didn't survive in your first playthrough. Um, yeah. Because when I first played the game, I failed the scene um, with Mad Jack, Mad Jack and Norman Jaden. Yeah, mm. that's that's where he goes to investigate yeah. at that yeah. uh, scrapyard. Scrapyard, the car crusher. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I I I um I I couldn't I couldn't do that the first time around, and um, wow. uh, Norman got crushed in the in the car crusher. Oof. Oh so, wow! <laughs> See, so that's this- funny. That's exactly what's so great about this game because I got Norman killed purposely at that part. So I'm thinking, oh, okay, cool. He did the same thing I did. But no, in my scene, Norbin, like Mad Jack, just shoots him in the back of the head, execution style. Oh, really? Okay. Because like, I guess yeah, I guess because I put up a fight with him, right? Maybe, yeah. Um, I just put the controller down, so that's <laughs> <laughs> totally valid way of playing this game. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, I was just happy that I kept him alive for this playthrough. Yeah, I uh, I yeah. lost Lauren. She's the only one I lost in this playthrough. Um, it's my first yeah. time playing through it. Is cha- it is challenging to yeah. get her out of the car. I even was like panicking a little because I was like, okay, this is my big moment. I got to save Lauren. Yeah. <laughs> and I was mm-hmm. like freaking out trying to get her yeah. out of the car. And it auto saves really quick too. So, I mean. Oh, yeah. It doesn't It doesn't even give you a chance, yeah. man. Yeah. So. <clears throat> so, yeah, we should mention, I mean, the game's broken up into uh, these uh, chapters, some longer than others and some some are really very, very short, um, mm-hmm. uh, which I was um, pleasantly surprised with. I think that's nice. I think it gives the game a good flow to have things broken up, you know, mm-hmm. not considering, yeah. hey, do I need um, 
you know, this chapter to be as, I need this chapter to be a bit, little bit longer than that chapter. Because when you do that, sometimes I feel like you're sort of forcing like unnecessary play, unnecessary dialogue, and it just, you know, to, to break it up, it, it feels nice. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that's one of the things that I really liked about this game. So, um, I guess to get into it, we should probably start talking about the characters a little bit. And, um, you know, I mentioned before you play as Ethan Mars. He's the main character. He's the father, um, who's lost his son, uh, loses his son to the car accident. And then his other son has been caught by the origami killer. And, uh, basically what happens is, uh, the origami killer, uh, reaches out to him and, uh, it's basically like, what will you do to save, uh, your son's life. And as we've found out, um, in this game, I think, uh, Ethan's son is like the seventh or eighth kid that's been captured. So this has happened several times and the fathers were either not willing to, to go to the extremes to save their sons or failed. Um, and so, um, the origami killer who you've already mentioned is, uh, Scott Shelby. Um, that's what he's doing. He's looking for that father who will go the ultimate distance to save their son because, um, it, it, was it his brother? Is that right? His brother was not saved by their father. Uh, that's right. Right. Yeah. yeah in a tragic, uh, drowning, uh, accident. Um, and so that's how this is all sort of set up. Um, so we've got Ethan, we've got Scott Shelby, who of course we later find out was the origami killer. Uh, but basically he's just a PI, uh, who mm-hmm. is on the case to try to find the origami killer. And he's working with all the victims, which is, uh, kind of a bizarre thing in terms of his psychosis. It, it really right? is weird. Yeah. Whew. Yeah. You guys said it was like weird or twisted that he was going back to the victims. And I was just curious, do you mean that in a way like it was weird for the story? Like, why would he be doing that? Or like that's twisted that he's going and like hanging out with his victim's family because he's doing it. That that, I mean, they set it up that he's doing it to gather the evidence back, like Mm -hmm. the, the origami and the phones and all that other stuff to destroy the evidence. But I think it's kind of like, man, that's savage to be going like talking to the families of your victims without them knowing it like yeah. especially lauren of course yeah yeah i think maybe so. there's a little remorse there you know i think as mm-hmm. as much as you know his psychosis is you know pushing him to do what he's doing and trying to find someone that cares i think there's a little bit of sympathy uh for the victims especially the women you know because right. it, it, with lauren i mean it seems like, you know, he still visits his mother every once in a while. He hasn't been around, you know, in years, but he, he still visits her, I think, from time to time. You do have that scene in the hospital uh, with Madison Page. And, um, yeah, I, I think he still, you know, I think he feels bad for his mother, you know, because it wasn't his mother that let him down. She wasn't there at the time. It was the father that let him down, and that's what he's searching for. So I think there is a little bit of sympathy there, um, you know, that... They mm-hmm. never go into that, of course, but that that's how I would, you know, probably read it. I don't know. What do you guys think? I'm I'm somewhere I'm somewhere in between both of you actually. I think it is really like twisted that he is going and, and uh you know, talking to the the families of his victims yeah. and and doing it in such a calm, casual manner. Yeah. Dude totally sucked um, me in, man. He was my favorite character. He totally sucked he me He was in. my favorite in my first playthrough, too. Yeah, I mean, I, I, oh, wow. yeah, I mentioned that like on the forums. I'm like, oh, I really like this Shelby 
guy. I'm like, I, I'm, I want to see like what his backstory is. I want to find out more about him and why he's doing this. I totally thought that maybe one of the kids who'd already been murdered, he was related to them in some way, or as a police officer, mm-hmm. he wasn't able to save some of them, and that's why he retired. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I thought that maybe that had something to do with it. Um, mm-hmm. And, man, that bastard totally sucked me in. Uh, he really yeah, did. Yeah, I'm, my first playthrough, exactly like you. Yeah. Um, but the second time around... Um, because I, I was, you know, looking for different things and I knew what to look for this time. Yeah. Um, I noticed that Scott Shelby's motivations are never really revealed and he doesn't really have a backstory yeah. that's explicitly told until basically the very end. Yeah. When when you find out why he's putting the fathers through these trials. Well, and he, he does have some sympathy for the women. I mean, he's the, the one scene that I can point to that really like, and I got to say, they did a great job. Uh, Quantic mm-hmm. Dream did. He's it. not. He's not entirely yeah. cold and heartless. No, no. I mean, he he helps the woman who's tried to commit suicide. He he patches mm-hmm. her up, you know, to help that mm-hmm. baby, and he helps that baby. And you know, I was just kind of like, man, that that was like a really touching moment. But again, it's them like sucking you in, you know, uh, right? You know, eliminating him and creating more red <clears throat> herrings throughout the story. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I know. I know his entire character is supposed to be like a red herring, basically. Mm-hmm. Sure, absolutely. Um, but. I wonder, you know, now talking with you guys and, and reflecting on upon my two playthroughs, is the the murders of the kids is that the main it, like is that his main intent or his is his real goal to test the fathers to find that perfect father, which he never had, you know? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I know it's, it's I guess probably too heavy to to be discussing because we can talk about that for hours, but. That's sort of what what kind of resonated when when we started talking about that. Yeah. Well, I mean, he says, I mean that he says that is his motivation at the end. I mean, he says, you know, I'm trying mm-hmm. to find that perfect father, you know, the one that wasn't there for him. But at the same time, once he finds that perfect father, what's his what's his goal to do? Well, to to murder the perfect father. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, he he's found what he's looking for, but he's not surrendering himself. So, I mean, it's. Yeah. There, there's a part of him that doesn't want to get caught. And as you mentioned, I think, Sean, you mentioned that that's what he's doing. He's going around collecting all this evidence, right? And, uh, you know, yeah. that's something I, I didn't see um, uh, and, and, and didn't really get. But, yeah, I mean, he's sort of using these people and these women as a way to, uh, you know, to, to get rid of this evidence. Um, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a great point, something I didn't I didn't think about. But um, with the with the baby, that portion, he, uh, he finds that little... Uh, the little phone that the guy left behind uh, with the instructions yeah. on it and uh, takes it mm-hmm. with him. And of course uh, with uh, Lauren, he, uh, the letter, you know, is uh, the connection. So, uh, but anyway, any more thoughts on Scott? I'm sure we're going to be talking about him quite a bit more, <laughs> but if not, we'll move on to our next character. Uh, uh, I'm going to let uh, Sean say his name because he loves to say it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do we have it's, to say it the way he would? <laughs> no, I'm a, I'm, it's Nam and Jaden. Nam and Jaden. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I like Norman really? Jaden. Okay. Not my favorite character, but I I like his. Um, uh he's trying to be, you know, by the book, and you know, Blake is just this like comic book character of a bad mm-hmm. cop, you yeah. know. 
And mm-hmm. also I, I like Norman for his like his internal struggles. He's addicted to this drug called tryptocaine and that's a big part of the game is whether or not you take it or not, like throughout the game. Yeah, yeah. And um his uh his uh, virtual reality apparatus called uh ARI or A R I and I knew what that stood for a couple hours ago, but I forget <laughs> now. Additional reality interface, I okay. think. Um that, uh, you know, I think one of the themes, one of the major themes of this game to me that I mentioned in the forum is the, the each character's grip on reality. And I think uh, Norman's story arc kind of plays to that theme the most uh, because of, he you know, he's literally using a virtual reality world and kind of has trouble coping between the real world and that and his drug addiction plays into it. I don't know. Not my favorite character, but I think he was one of the more interesting of the bunch. Yeah, I, I get it agreed. Not my favorite character at all. Um, I think he was probably my least favorite character in the game. And you and I had a little bit of back and forth on the forums about, uh, you know, sort of our thoughts on him, and especially with the uh, the ARI interface. Um, and, and I totally get what you're saying and in, in about um, the whole... Um, uh, you know, everyone struggling, you know, in the game with something. And I, and I do like that portion of the game. Um, I, I just, I don't know. The ARI felt really out of place to me as a sort of a piece of technology that, you know, doesn't really exist right now. I guess it, it, it does somewhat or could exist, um, you know, um, as far as virtual reality goes. I'm sure that they could make that happen, but it just felt, oddly out of place to me. I mean, this, I want to say this story felt like one of the old, like 1920s, 1930s sort of film noir, you know, type films um, that were going on mm-hmm. at the time. Um, you know, a lot of the characters' cars were old. Scott Shelby wore that trench coat. Um, and mm-hmm. it had like a, a real, like, uh, it had an older feel to it that, um, you know, such movies as like LA confidential or something like that. Right. Um, and I think, I think they are going for a certain degree yeah, of noir style in this game. Yeah, I, I do too. And, and so that sort of, you know, that, that commingling of those two, like a, a more modern kind of sci-fi element, um, you know, which I guess it's not really sci-fi. It's not, it's maybe, uh, science nonfiction instead of science fiction, right? <laughs> Probably. Because it could happen. I mean, you know, we're in the age now, uh, where, where that could definitely, um, you know, be a police tool. Um, and maybe is that we don't know about, uh, secretly, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It just, um, it, it, it kind of clashed for me, but I, I totally get what Sean's saying. And, uh, you know, for, you know, for the most part, I, I agree with it. It's just, a it kind of took me, um, out of the story a bit. It made me kind of, um, it kind of broke that wall for me where I, I, I didn't, you know, as I was playing Heavy Rain, I didn't ever feel like I was playing a video game until I was searching through those like AR files and doing that thing. Then it felt very gamey to me. I, I felt like okay, because you know? so how did you feel about um, like going through crime scenes and like looking for for clues and evidence? Uh, you know, scanning the environment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that didn't feel gamey to me. It just felt like I was more part of like an interactive movie. You know. Okay. Um, but I guess with the, like I said, with the, the more, um, you know, the more modern technology and stuff like that, having to interface with that and using it, 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 it felt like a lot different than as far as, you know, physically walking around looking for clues and if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. 
Right. Because yeah. uh, I really enjoyed, like, you know, using the ARI to go through files yeah. and, and clues and evidence. Um, but, uh, like, to when, when I uh, had to, like, look for those clues, I didn't find those moments as enjoyable. Okay. Okay, so just like I, I prefer the scene. Yeah, I'm saying I prefer the scenes where where like Norman would sit at his desk and go through the uh, the files. That's really interesting. I guess I would have um, I would felt better if it had like a more of a, like a CSI element to it. You know, like a lab maybe sort of element to it. I I think it would have been um, I would have felt more comfortable with that, and and you know it felt you know more kind of cohesive to me. But yeah, right. And I guess because I was thinking like, okay, this is what the ARI is for, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's like it's the lab wherever you are. Sure. Like the lab goes with you. Yeah. Um, all those files go with you, and that's that's really cool that a detective, an investigator, can have all that access on the go. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I know that um, Pam had mentioned on the site that uh, what was uh, Norman's, uh, what was his sort of nemesis at the police force? What was that guy's name? Carter Blake. Blake, Blake, yeah, Blake. Yeah. Um, I know she she said that she really didn't like that character so much. It was neither did yeah, I. One of those secondary characters, kind of Blake. bad cop. Oh yeah. yeah, he's yeah, he's not there to be liked. Sure, <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's, he's not in the story for you to yeah. uh, no. root for him. <laughs> yeah, in in my in my story, him and uh, Jaden just really really hated yeah. each other oh yeah i think it's pretty much the case in everyone's story for the most part yeah uh, um i gotta admit man one of the things i did in my game that i didn't mean to and i think i talked about this on the forums um uh, when you go to interrogate you know uh you've got these two leads you and blake go check out and the first guy i was going through it and uh had no intention of doing this i just wanted to keep asking him questions and going through it but um you know with the qtes what's what's odd is these you know button uh sequences they just appear on screen so when r1 mm-hmm. appeared on screen i pressed it and i just brained that guy oh, <laughs> oh the, the the crazy cross yeah. guy yeah. yeah 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 so did anybody save that guy i mean what happened i heard that there's like some sort of little twist right there that kind of comes i out think of yeah i i i brained yeah. him like you did the first time around <laughs> um well, he- he reaches into his jacket and he's, it turns out he's just pulling out a crucifix. Okay. I don't know if that's like a big twist or whatever, but he oh, obviously gotcha. was not going to pull, pull out a weapon on mm-hmm. you or Blake. So, so that, that again, then, uh, that's supposed to make you uh, more eager to press R1 before he harms you. Oh, right? for sure. Okay. For sure. Yeah. That's a big trap okay. for sure. Yeah. I think it's to supposed to kind react. of trap you in the moment. Um, uh, but it's also, I think, you know, building on on the tension that's been been building up to that moment right. you know yeah um and it really is like are you going to be calm under pressure or are you going to sort of like jump yeah you know yeah and it really affected my play the second time because you were talking about the uh floyd the uh what was the guy mad jack or whatever um yeah. i had a chance yeah. to shoot him at one point where you kind of you get to a point where you sort of beat him up enough and you've got your gun you've got it pointed to him and you can press it real quick or you go into like your um, your little uh, uh, triptychine portion kicks in, you know, your addiction kicks in and it, it messes with you. And that's mm-hmm. when he starts attacking you again. But you, there's a little spot in there where you have a chance to press R1 and shoot him. 
And of course I didn't, you know, because I was like, no, nah, I don't, I don't want to, you know, harm anyone else. I want to sort of play this <laughs> as, you know, that, that's the odd thing about this. You play it sometimes, unless you're Sean playing on the second playthrough and just trying to kill everyone in the game. Uh, <laughs> I think a lot of times when you're playing these games, I think uh, your personality sort of comes out, you know? Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah. Which is odd. And, uh, you know, unless, like I said, like, unless you're like Sean and you just, you know, have this whole like idea of what you want to accomplish in the game, um, mm-hmm. which is. Yeah. And you only get a, you only get one chance to play this game for the first time, you know? Yeah, so yeah. even trying to, you don't know what you're trying to accomplish the first time you're playing it. You know, you just want to figure out the story and maybe not make much of a mess as you're doing it and not not get your characters killed i don't know like i think that that's maybe how most people would play it the first mm-hmm, time through sure. you know yeah well yeah because like you know you get into these scenes where like every, every character's life is in danger and you're thinking oh i gotta save them yeah um yeah. and so so yeah that and that really kicks in yeah and uh yeah all right so let's move on to the next character um the fourth character that we come across and Oddly enough, you don't really come across her until, like, later on in the game. I want to say around chapters 12 or 13 or something like that. And uh, there's, like, 52 chapters in this game. Uh, But Madison Page, um, uh, you come across this character. And you find out she's just, uh, she's a news reporter. That's that's her job. And that's pretty much the backstory you get. That and Mm -hmm. uh, she has horrible nightmares and can't sleep in her apartment for some reason. So... Yeah, she's she's a, a journalist, yep. um, um, and yeah, she suffers from insomnia. So, turns out that sleeping in random hotels seems to help her, <laughs> and that's and that's where her story crosses with uh, Ethan's. Yep. And she kind of just gets roped into everything, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, like, uh, um, you know, like her 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 sort of involvement in the story is i mean it's important but it's i guess minimal at the same time mm-hmm. there the, like and there was a comment about that too yep pam um she said she yeah, said that, she, uh, said quote, that she has no stake in the story so i don't know yeah i don't want to hear what your guys thoughts are on that well i thought i thought she was important but she was also um like like i said just sort of tangled into everything sure um, like she becomes important. She didn't start off important, yeah, you know? Yeah. Yeah. She doesn't quite become important to the end. I mean, I think everybody has a stake in the story. Like, um, Ethan Mars obviously has the biggest stake. Norman, of course, Norman is, you know, the agent who's looking for this killer. So he has a stake in the story. Scott, we feel like has a stake in this story and we don't know why we're trying to figure that out. Right. So, but he does certainly have some sort of involvement mm-hmm. in it as a former police officer, um, and as a, uh, private investigator. Uh, so, uh, yeah, she's, she's the only one who has, um, uh, no sort of conflict and, uh, you know, we kind of found out later that, uh, some of her involvement in this might be to, uh, further her own, uh, uh, career right right um and that that could be it you know that could very well be it because she has really no uh prior sort of attachment to what's going on right right so what do you think sean is she an important character in the story or do you, you kind of think that she doesn't have a, a huge stake in it 
boobies. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> oh, that was so stupid, Pam. I'm sorry. Um, no, I, I like uh, I like Madison. She she's one of the characters that I like, and mm-hmm. and I think that you guys could probably guess why. For me, on a personal level, uh, because she's the only playable female character yeah. in the game. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't just mean that she's going to be a good character in the context of this game. I think that, um, I, I like her as, as like, a. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. I, and I tried to think about this cause I knew it would come up. Like, why do I like Madison yeah. besides See, that? She's just the woman in the game. I'm like, I don't know. For um, me, it's because she's the outsider kind of looking in, mm-hmm. right? Cause she's not directly yeah. involved in, in what's happening. Mm-hmm. But I guess because of her compassion, in a way, compassion. Yeah. She she puts herself, you know, into into the line of danger, if you will, right? And she's probably the most well-adjusted character in the entire game. Uh, she has her head on straight more than mm-hmm. anybody. Mm-hmm. You know That's what a I good mean? Point. She's she's probably like she's the everyman of this of this game. Uh, and I don't mean in the sense of Ethan is because he's the everyman who had his life destroyed. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Madison he- is the everyman who is still the everyman. She just, uh, again, kind of like gravitated into this world of these people mm-hmm. and now has to deal with it kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So. And um, I want to mention real quick, and I don't want to get into discussing it right now in, in depth, but um, Sean had sent us a, a video, Floyd. I don't know if you had a chance to check that out. Um, and it was really about like, some of the stuff that was removed from this game, some scenes and things like that that was removed. And um, one of Madison's scenes uh, was basically going to be um, something early on, uh, like a flashback scene. Right, Sean? Do you you remember them talking about this? Uh, She was involved in, uh, I want to say, was it like Desert Storm or one of those conflicts? Uh, oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah, and, and it sort of explains why she's having these nightmares and things like that. And I think with a little bit more backstory like that, you know, being a war journalist and things that she's seen and atrocities and things like that, I think that kind of would have helped her character a lot and made her um, made people kind of understand why she is more compassionate toward this guy, you know, and how she knows he's mm-hmm. not really the killer, and but she's you know still trying to help him out. Um, because she's seen all these horrible things that he's put himself through to try to save his son, obviously. Um, and, um, you know, I, I think some of that would have clarified it and made her a, um, uh, a better character, a little broadening, if you will, of her backstory. Um, and I think that lack of it um, uh, sort of hurts how people perceive her character a bit, if that makes sense. No, it totally makes sense. Yeah, I don't. I don't have any. I don't argue that. Yeah. yeah. Point. I think we're all on the same page here. I think I do remember watching that video a couple of years ago. Um, but yeah, I think uh, her character definitely would have benefited from a little more, more backstory, so we know where where she's coming from mm-hmm. and why she suffers what she does suffer. Because mm-hmm. as Sean said, everybody has some sort of um, shortcoming. Yeah. Well, and I think that's the big question for most people and what they don't understand about this character is like she's putting her life on the line a lot of times, you know, um, f- mm-hmm. for Ethan, who she, you know, really doesn't know. I mean, just associating herself with him, knowing where he's because she knows who he is, um, n- knowing where mm-hmm. he's hiding out, you know, keeping that information from the police. 
Uh, and then also going into um, the club uh, with Paco, who's the most unbelievable character in this game. <laughs> We're going to talk about secondary <laughs> characters. Wow. I mean, just, wow. What a guy. Unbelievable. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I really think like that's where people's minds are. Like, why would somebody do this? Why would you help out a stranger like this? And it, it's a valid point, but I think, with a little more context, um, I think it could have been pulled off a little bit better. Though I'm not complaining, um, you, know, mm-hmm. you know, as far as that yeah. being missing. All right, and then the other character and Floyd and I, we were we were kind of talking about this earlier too, and um, not really a main character because you don't play as her, but Lauren Winter uh, becomes uh, sort of a main character in this game, and I just kind of wanted to touch on her for a minute and get you guys' thoughts on that uh, character, even though she's like we said not playable. Looking back at it, I think Lauren char- Lauren's character is more interesting than than I initially thought, mm-hmm. because she is uh, the mother of one of the um, children who was abducted, mm-hmm. and so she just wants closure on everything, sure. and she wants to find out who who the uh, origami killer is, uh, so she can finally close that that chapter of her life. Uh, but little does she know, she's actually working with him the whole time (laughs) yeah yeah and that's sort of a plot Um, device as well used um very well by the developers of this game you know as far as sucking us in you know having this compassionate mm -hmm. character being helped by scott shelby and shelby just kind of being like you know i don't want you to get hurt and that sort of thing i mean it really draws you away from him having her in the game and like you said i mean even that and, and especially the moment when you're trying to save her which you know, I, I failed to do, I was, I was really sad about that. That was a, that was tough for me not being able to save her. And, um, you know, for me, I'd gotten so far and missed it so bad that Scott was more worried about his own life and he didn't even try to save her. I didn't even get to the point where he was actually trying to save her or, you know, working. Oh, really? So that that. that then becomes an option to like just self-preservation, not even save her. It was sort of automatic. I guess I had taken so long you know, that, uh, right. um, to try to, you know, shake my hands free of the steering wheel or whatever, that, uh, it just became mm-hmm. a moment of self-preservation on his part, but it made me kind of look at him right. a little bit differently and say, man, he's not even going back down there and trying to save her, you know, coming up for air and going back down or anything like that. Um, you know, he's just going to, of course, enact revenge. <laughs> so, so anyway, how about you, Sean? Thoughts on Lauren? I like Lauren. I liked her a lot more when she shoots Scott in the face at the end. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Tell <laughs> the us about the... that, man. I, I, that's, that's curious. <laughs> See, I didn't, I didn't get that ending. No, um, because yeah. you didn't try to kill yeah. everyone for it. Yeah. So <laughs> that's, if you that's get, true. That's true. <laughs> so if you get some of the bad endings where the origami killer doesn't get caught, he, if Lauren dies, there's a scene with him just, Scott Shelby just walking the streets like free as a bird, you know, the end. And I, I didn't get that ending, but I saw it on YouTube and it's like, damn, that that must be brutal. Yeah. But in the uh, ending known as, I think, A Mother's Revenge, she just says, like, somehow she's figured him out, confronts him on the street and just says, like, you know, you played me just like you played all these other victims. You were just collecting the evidence from your crimes. And then she says, I promised my son I would kill the man who murdered him. And I'm going to keep my promise. And then just pulls out a gun, shoots him right in the face. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's sweet justice, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. Wow. 
<laughs> and um, that's why, even though like my, my ending overall was like, oh, all the main characters died. Like Shelby died in the most satisfying way. Like I was yeah. like cheering, you know. That's awesome. Man. Yeah. That, that, you know, <laughs> yeah, I kind of have to agree with that. That's that's really cool. <laughs> um, um, yeah, my ending was that um, all my characters lived. Um, and... Um, uh, Lauren found out that uh, Scott Shelby was the was the killer, and um, Scott died in the um, the sort of big final fight scene. Mm-hmm. And so she she goes to his grave and she says, "Again, you like you played me this whole time, and um, you know it's like you know now I I don't like I I, I can't uh, get closure on this." And she just she's so fed up with him and just. just curses on his grave and do, wants nothing to do with him. Yeah, yeah. Of course she died in mine so I didn't get that portion so it's it's good to hear what what could have been at least. So mm-hmm. I don't have to go back and play the game again. <laughs> uh but again, I mean I don't know. I mean this is a game that uh I would definitely recommend and um you know one that you know I wouldn't have a problem going back and playing like, you know, 5 years down the road or longer. I'd, I'd want some time away from it, but uh Definitely mm-hmm. one I would consider playing again, and definitely one that won't leave my collection. You know what I mean? So, yeah, for sure. Before I, uh, before we talk about maybe some of the secondary characters, and you know maybe what who some of our favorites were besides Paco, I wanted to, <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, who would we cast. Um, there's this, um, well, it's not a rumor, but New Line Cinema has purchased the rights to the film, so this could actually be a motion picture one day. Um, which, is this is, is this new news or no? No, when, no. I think no, they purchased okay. it uh, uh, quite a while back. They haven't done anything with it yet, but um, you know, I think you yeah, never know. You never know, and, and it's it's got a good story, and I think it would work solidly as a movie. Um, uh-huh. And uh, not a lot of people would be surprised, you know. People, gamers, you know, would be out there spoiling it for everyone. Um, yeah, <laughs> but uh, if you had to cast like the four main characters, and we could do five if you guys have someone for Lauren. But as far as Ethan Scott, Norman, and Madison, who would you cast in those roles? I'm interested to hear uh, you guys' thoughts on that. Let's start with Ethan. I, that, I think that's, right. that's a tough question. Um, <laughs> something something you, you need to sort of be prepared for. Um, All right, I'm prepared. I have a good one. Yeah. Okay. All right, picture this. Christopher Nolan presents Heavy Rain, starring Christian Bale as Ethan, (laughs) Anne Hathaway as Madison, Michael Michael Mm -hmm. Caine as Shelby, (laughs) and (laughs) and Killian Murphy as Nam and (laughs) Jaden. I liked how you did that. I liked how you went Christopher Nolan and you picked characters that... are uh, actors and actresses that Christopher Nolan is, you know, uses, you know, in his films. Yeah. I like that. No, that's what I want. I think that would be pretty badass of a movie. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it'll... That could be good. Ne- it'll never happen that way, but... No. A man can dream. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. I mean, that would... Nolan would be an incredible <laughs> director. I mean, because he, he has that sort of that darkness. He, he, he can pull off that darkness, like, heavy enough to make a film, mm-hmm. you know, this... this dark, yeah, the... Yeah. The only other director I would actually a director who would be probably more attuned to this kind of subject matter would be uh, David Lynch. Mm. 
the director of like Fight Club and Seven. Mm-hmm. Like he he does those nasty, dark, gritty. No, that's not kinda. Lynch. That's what, is that? Um, oh, I'm sorry, David Fincher. Fincher. Yeah, David yeah, yeah, Fincher. yeah. No, no, no. Ooh, you're right. Boy, you're right. Fincher would be great. Or David Lynch. Let's have a David Lynch. Uh, heavy rain. Oh, man, this, is, this isn't quite <laughs> weird enough for Lynch. Backwards really talking well. midgets and. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nowhere heavy enough for and weird enough for Lynch, but I'm I'm sure he could do it. You know, he was supposed to direct Return of the Jedi. Lynch was the third uh, Star Wars. Really? Film six. Yeah, yeah. He turned huh. it down and made Dune. Which is amazing. But that's uh, that's a, that's a story <laughs> for another mistake. time. Let's get let's get back on track. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, um, I'm, I'm totally with you, man. I could totally see Fincher doing this film. That, that's that's uh, there's some great calls. Um, yeah. But uh, um, I don't know. I, I'm I'm thinking for for Ethan Mars. Um, the only the only name that sort of jumps out at me is maybe um, Jake Gyllenhaal because he's done a lot of darker roles lately. Okay. Yeah. Um, he's got I'm, a very sad look like, about him too. He does. I'm thinking movies like you know <laughs> yeah. Nightcrawler and, and stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, Nightcrawler was awesome. Um, Scott is is tough to cast. Oh, really? Um, okay. You know, <laughs> yeah. I wrote down as a joke at first, Kevin James for Scott Shelby. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Maybe that could be his serious role, like uh, Adam Sandler in Punch yeah. Drunk Love. You know. There you go. You know, everybody needs a serious role breakout. Yeah. So, you know, let, let's give him a shot. That's awesome. Um, I don't know. It's that's tough. Um, jeez. We'll move on to the next. We'll, we'll move on to Norman. If you can't think of one for Scott, what do you? Norman Jaden. Um. You know, I, I I'm. I want to maybe even say that that uh, Christian Bale could be a good Norman Jaden because he he is good at those like yeah. derailed characters, sure, you know. Sure, I can see that for sure. Um, and then then Madison Page, jeez, I don't know. That's that's another tough one because I think almost any actress could work for that role. I, obviously, there would be some yeah. better suited than than others, mm-hmm. but ah um, oh, man, I don't know. Um, Especially after after you know seeing movies like I haven't seen it yet, but but Arrival, which has um, Rachel, is it Rachel McAdams? Mm-hmm. No, Amy, Amy Adams. Amy Adams. I always confuse them for some reason. Yeah, and like you know, this is a more serious role for her. Um, okay, it's that's a that's a tough one. It's not as tough as uh, Scott Shelby, yeah. but um, <laughs> yeah, you know, not not the hardest you know role to fill yeah. but you know still a tough question to yeah. answer yeah the problem with madison is like you have to find someone that's kind of badass too you know someone who's you know yeah sort of an action-oriented person so that's that's a tough cast that, that really is that was the one that yeah. uh was probably the toughest for me um all right so check mine mm-hmm. out here we go um ethan mars ewan mcgregor because he's in like every taken movie. Oh, that's a good. Right? I, oh, I I like that better than my choice. So, uh, so you and McGregor, Scott. <laughs> he's gonna do the the taken routine. I don't know who you are, <laughs> but I will find you. No, that's that's Liam Neeson. Oh, Liam Neeson. Oh, yeah, that's them. who it was. Not you and McGregor. Liam Neeson. That's who I was thinking of. Yeah. Oh, you want Liam Neeson <laughs> yeah, for yeah, this? Yeah, Liam Neeson. Man, I get those two guys mixed oh, up. Oh, that'd I'm be sorry. so funny. <laughs> You and you and McGregor could pull it off too, though. No, oh, he might be a good Jaden. But hey, listen to this pick, man. My Scott Shelby's perfect. 
John mm-hmm. Goodman. <gasps> yeah. Yes. You're talking about someone who would easily <laughs> suck you in as a sympathetic character. Uh, yes. He's got the, yeah. the baby face. Everybody loves John Goodman. He doesn't really play evil mm-hmm. roles. That would be the perfect uh, cast for that, in my opinion. Norman Jaden, I just had to go with someone who, like, as soon as I played the game, he reminded me of John Travolta. Like, the whole time. Like, the way he talks <laughs> and everything. Like, the, you know, the slick back hair. Norman Jaden. You know, I, I thought yeah, Travolta yeah, yeah. would be perfect for that That's part. Awesome. Even though I'm sure the I'm sure the voice actor is John Travolta as a huge inspiration. Yeah, yeah, had to be. Uh, I, I just yeah. see that. You know, that's too funny. And then uh, with Madison Page, I, I had Kira Knightley down, uh, but I don't know, mm. man. I don't I don't know that she could pull that off. And um, I can't think of the actress's name, but uh, uh, it was the girl that was in. Um, it, it's Tim Burton's wife. Or maybe ex-wife. I don't know if they're still together or not. Uh, oh, Helen and Barton. Yeah, Helen and Carter. 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 Yeah, I thought might make yeah. a, a pretty decent Pam. Uh, 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 psh, Madison Page. I've got, Pam's, <laughs> I've got Pam's name written down beside, uh, because I've got Pam's wow. quote written down uh, from the forums. Hello again, Sorry, Pam. Is that, is that just like, you know, the, the, the best Freudian slip <laughs> ever? Like, biggest brain fart ever? Yeah, maybe so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh boy! Uh, so how about Lauren? Did anyone have a cast for Lauren, or are we just gonna let that one go? Yeah, I wasn't really thinking about that. Yeah, let's just nah, let's just end one, on my let's go. just end on my blunder. We'll we'll just let it go at that. <laughs> 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 All right. So secondary characters were there any characters that kind of stood out that you guys really liked um, in this game? Well, Blake, of course. Yeah, you uh, liked Blake, or to... you just liked him as a character? Um, no, I, I like, I disliked him as a character, but oh, okay. he stood out. The question yeah, yeah, was, okay, okay. <laughs> you liked him as a, like a foil, uh, right? To, uh, yeah, he, yeah, he's, he's a good, he's a really good foil to, uh, to Norman. Um, hmm. I like the, um, building owner who turned out to be a freaking serial <laughs> oh, torturer. Wow. The doctor, the murderer. mad doctor, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's what, that's the one thing that, that whole thing kind of took me... That is where my suspension of disbelief was at its like highest threshold, and you know, at the uh, or I guess I should say my lowest threshold is is like okay, like now there's two serial killers in this city. Like, what what the hell's going on here? Like, mm-hmm. what planet yeah. is this and on? Wor- you know, and they're I mean? sort of working together. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So I don't know, and then I mean we'll talk about the taxidermist oh, later. Absolutely. But then that okay, so now you got a third serial killer. In the- yeah, <laughs> like what the fuck? Yeah, I was thinking the same I mean- thing. Yeah. Well, well, with um, with the 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 building tycoon guy, um, yeah, I, I guess he's just you know takes that violent approach to anyone who basically opposes him. Um. But uh, I I thought the um the character of the convenience store owner mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. was good and in in sort of like a relatable everyman kind of way. Yeah, because he he was he was a father who was uh, given the he was given the option to do the trials and just you know didn't have the didn't have the courage to do so. You know he obviously wanted to you you know you would think that that any father who's in that situation would want to do something to step up yeah but you know he he just you know couldn't bring himself to do it 
Yeah, I I didn't save that guy either. I mean, not a main character, but I, I wasn't able to save him. I wasn't able to um to to make that happen. I, I got to the point where I could tell the guy to put just put the gun down, you know, and as I was talking mm-hmm. to him. But I wouldn't push that button because I was afraid, okay, well if I'm pushing this button right now, maybe it's too early to ask. Maybe I haven't gotten um enough um how is it right yeah i haven't gotten built up enough trust between him and myself yet so i'd never push that and then it caused him of course to get brained and the guy ran off so uh see i tried to fail that scene and i end up ended up passing like like successfully doing it it's weird yeah Yeah. you can actually stealth you can stealth the guy too, and then there's no dialogue. You just knock him out. I screwed that up. Behind. I hit something on the shelf and knocked something off, and I didn't. Uh, oh, okay. I didn't. It was one of those really quick QTs, and uh, I wasn't able to do it. So, uh, um, yeah, I knocked something off, and but I did try to sneak up behind him and, and knock him out first. But uh, yeah, but again, I mean, that's one of these crazy like plot holes that that happens here. Is like, why is Scott Shelby trying to help this guy? You know, obviously he's. Uh, he has a lot of animosity to him because he's too much of a coward to, or not a coward, but you know, I mean, I can't call this guy a coward. I don't know what yeah. I would do in that situation, but I don't. But he didn't pass the test right. under under Shelby's rules. Right. He, mm-hmm. he, he's a failure. So why would he be sympathetic toward him and try to save him? Right. You know? And so that's so that's that's supposed to be just a giant red herring sure. scene, you know. Yeah. So again, to build trust in um, Shelby, right? In the in the t- and, it's, and it's one of his first scenes yeah. too, yeah. right? And I guess he doesn't know. Like where the box is until he talks, does he? I don't remember. The box. No, I don't of, think he knows. Yeah, he doesn't pull the box of stuff out until you save him from the the robber. So maybe he didn't know what he was gonna get, kind of thing, and just letting him get killed wouldn't be to his advantage. Yeah, I don't know. Good point, but I'm I'm not sure. All right, mm-hmm. cool. Well, um, let's move on. Uh, I think we had a pretty great discussion of the characters. I enjoyed that, especially the movie roles. That was a lot of fun. Uh, but uh, let's move on to the controls. Um, we talked about, you know, it's a QTE game, so it was quick time events, button mashing. Um, what did you think about the controls of this game? Do you think it works for the type of game it is? I know, um, you know, at this point in time, it was probably, it wasn't the first, of course, because, you know, Indigo Prophecy, we played that one, and, and there have been QTE games, uh, for sure, you know, in the past, mm-hmm. or more games, or more kind of point-and-clicky, you know, which is, this is just kind of adding a, a different layer to it. Um, do you think it works for this game? Yeah, hmm. I, I do, absolutely. The only control, the only problem I had with the controls was uh, pulling the R trigger to, for the gas to make the person walk forward. Yeah, yeah, um, I think that's my only complaint. Yeah, I didn't like that. That either. and... Like yeah, like doing the doing the R two to move, and you basically steer the character by pointing their head in different directions. Yeah, yeah. Um, so wait, did you guys play on the normal difficulty? Because I played it on the easy difficulty just because I didn't want to get frustrated by the quick time events that I wasn't doing half the time anyway. But yeah, I'm just curious if you guys throttled the difficulty at all or just left it on the default. I um I did change it. Um I. I like I like how um, the difficulty setting is for this game because it doesn't say normal, easy, or hard. It says, "Are you familiar with playing these types of games?" You know, yeah, um, that's true. And, and I like that. I like that approach, and I, I like that they use that because I, I feel like that's their way of saying, "Hey, we want you to be comfortable playing this game." Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, 
have a chance to earn, you know, outcomes. And and so for that, I just I was just honest with myself. I don't play a lot of these type of games, you know. So um, right. I, I I chose that option, which I'm assuming was the easier option, and and not the normal option. I was like, yeah, I don't play. I play I play a lot of games. So I don't play a lot of these type of games, you know. Yeah, uh, and I like the way that's, that was that's worded. what I did my first time around. Yeah. This time, I guess I just left it on default because I didn't even go and like I started a new game. Yeah. And I didn't even go into the uh, difficulty settings, okay. so okay. I guess I just stayed on the default setting. Yeah, <clears throat> that's a good point. Um, how about you, Sean? I mean, when you played the first time, how did you remember how you played it? I think the first time I played it on the default, and I do remember having some frustrating moments. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you, the one time I actually kind of cheated the game the first time I played it. It was frustrating the living hell out of me. There's a scene at the very end where Madison has to hastily jump on her motorcycle to escape, I guess, the the main scene at the end, Mm -hmm. to escape the police, I think. Um, And that QTE, I kept failing it. And and I, I, I really... I hate to say I cheated, but, like, I kept saying, like, I got this far, like... I. It was so like split second. I couldn't believe how hard it was to pull off to get her to just to escape on the motorcycle. Um, that that was like the one time I had like a major frustration with a QTE. Yeah. But uh, of course, this time around, it was very. Uh, I think it's more simple. I think they give you a little bit more time to to press the buttons. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, it literally was like easy. Yeah. So. Yeah. Hmm. I would say that um, my only problem with the QTEs is that sometimes um, I wouldn't be able to see some of the buttons or like, you know how like you press, was it, is it L1 or L2 like to make like your thoughts kind of, you know, your thoughts would come L2? up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and when your thoughts would come up, they would kind of circle like in behind your character sometimes. And mm-hmm. sometimes they were so small, you couldn't tell if it was like an X or a square or anything like that. And I felt like sometimes I, I couldn't determine and I, I wasn't able to do what I wanted to do or I had to sit there and wait for like, you know, a certain option to kind of swing around so I could see it better. And I, I really didn't like that. Um, and then the other thing was I wish that the QTs would have been a little more color coordinated. I wish there had been some color in there instead of every um, um, button press that popped up being white. I thought that was hard to see in sometimes. Um, yeah, I have to agree with and, that. And I would have liked a little bit of color yeah, coding, you know, with the PlayStation controller to, um, you know, because I, I mean, I can actually associate the colors with the, you know, the square or the X or the triangle or the circle mm-hmm. uh, as well as I can, um, you know, the shape. And so that would have been, I think, helpful for me if it would have had something to make it stand out a little more. I, I think of with the few times that I did fail, it was not because I didn't know where the location of the button was. It's just that I couldn't make out what was being popped. What up on the symbol screen. it was. Yeah. Yeah. And in that same vein, um, sometimes I couldn't tell if I had to hold it down or keep. You know, I would miss it because I. You know, you have to keep tapping it sometimes. You know, just depending right. on you know whether it's pulsating or not. So. Mm-hmm. It was a little confusing. Yeah, I I had that problem too. Yeah. Um, sort of the fact that they were intended to be sort of not intrusive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this is sort of like um a progression thing that that 
Quantic Dream has tried to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, like if you look at their their history of games with uh, Indigo oh, Prophecy yeah. being the first major one with like super in your face, um, you know, button prompts, and then Heavy Rain, they were sort of more more subtle, and then mm-hmm. Beyond Two Souls is very subtle with their okay. with their uh, you know button prompts. So for two um, people that have played Beyond Two Souls. Do you think like, I mean, because like for me, I, I was going to talk about like comparing it to Indigo Prophecy since I've obviously played that as well. I mean, it was mm-hmm. night and day, like so much better. And you guys had told me that before we, you know, when we were talking about yeah. Indigo Prophecy. Oh, definitely. So do you yeah. think like even they like bettered it, even with Beyond Two Souls, it, it gets even better as you go? Uh, it's better and different yeah. at the same time, yeah. I guess. Yeah, yeah um, it's so very like, different. In, instead of like an arrow pointing down, you, you have... Like, like, I guess it's like a dot. I think it's a dot on the screen. Mm-hmm. And if it's like in the lower portion of the screen, you push down. Yeah. Okay. Um, and sometimes it's just like pay attention to the environment. Like if you have to jump over a fence, um, you have to press up. Okay. Um, All right. So it's like, it's even more minimalist. Yeah. Well, I really like the QTs in this game. And I, I'm being like, you know, kind of nitpicky. I, I realize that, but one of the things that I really liked was how things were really well integrated. Like if I was opening a cabinet, I would use the same motion on the thumbstick that I would use to open a cabinet, kind of push to the side and pull and swing, you know, down or uh, you swing mm-hmm. to the left, swing to the right. I liked that, how that was integrated. I also liked, um, it was sort of a new feature from Indigo Prophecy where you would like have to hold down buttons. You'd hold down one button, a second button, and then like a third button and sometimes a mm-hmm. fourth button uh, if you were in that crazy power plant. Um, uh, I really yeah. liked that, too. I liked how they like came up with some new ideas uh, for QTE, QTEs, and it wasn't just like mash X, mash, mash square, mash uh, circle, mash R1, or something like that. Um, right. They, they got a little more creative with it, and I appreciate that, and I thought it was done really, really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I th- the first time around, I really thought it was... A really cool idea like what what you just said you know opening a door would the the controller uh movement mm-hmm. mimic the real life movement mm-hmm. that you would make yeah, exactly. um this time around i think it was just like i just want to open that door just you know it'd almost be like more convenient if it was less of a recreation of a real life movement yeah i don't know if if sean feels the same way um like it's like to open a like a cupboard door to do that you know swinging motion was you know cumbersome i know what they're trying to do but i guess because i've i've done it already the the effect is lost on me uh yeah i don't i, I think i'm more with with rich and that the uh oh excuse me sorry to clear my throat there um my uh my impression is is that it's it is like kind of cool how they did it they were very creative with um the presses and a lot of times i felt like i was doing the thing you know like um pulling a trigger to like grip something or uh holding the buttons the the power plant scene is a perfect example of that but there's other ones like in the beginning taking the groceries from from ethan's wife like you have to hold the buttons down to get them all in your arms so Mm -hmm. 
I don't know. It's kind of neat. And I, I just remember at the time playing it for the first time, it was like nothing I had ever played because I didn't play Indigo Prophecy until after I played Heavy Rain. And uh, this, to me, the first time just was just to- so totally different from any other game I've ever played. So now it's a bit, you know, having played all these kind of games and there's other ones now like um, Until Dawn. I haven't played it, but I understand it's very much like Heavy Rain with the QTs and the contextual mm-hmm. button presses all throughout the game. Uh, but at the time it was something really, at least to me, very groundbreaking. Mm-hmm. And, uh, no, I have, I, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think just the second time around, it was like, okay, I know what you're doing. It's cool. But like, let me just do the thing I'm trying to do. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Well, I think we need to mention this though. I don't know that any of us played it this way or ever played this way, but this uh, game set up to play with the PlayStation Move and it has support for that. Um, and yeah. um, you know, we had mentioned the the Taxidermist, the the DLC. It's the only DLC for this um, of something they were going to do called Heavy Rain Chronicles. And the reason I mention that is because it, it took a while for them to really get the PlayStation Move support dialed in for this game. And because of that, they spent most of their time doing that and pushing uh, all their finances toward that project instead of the Heavy Rain Chronicles. And that's why we only got one release uh, from that. Yeah, uh, which is really such a freaking drag. Uh, like, what a waste. I know. I know. You <laughs> think about what you could have had. I mean, you could probably had like we were talking about with Madison's backstory. Um, yeah, we might've had that and that would have helped deepen some of these characters, I think. And instead we got the taxidermist, which, yeah, we'll talk about that in a little while, but, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but did any of you play with PlayStation move support? Um, have you tried it with it? Is it something you, you would even be interested in doing? You know what? The on Friday night when I was trying PlayStation VR was the first time I've ever touched PlayStation Move controllers in my okay. life. So uh, I don't own them, yeah, and I I probably won't ever. So I don't know. Yeah, it's not something I have interest in doing. But I, I feel like you know, as far as discussing this game, is something we have to mention that uh, that it does. Support uh, oh yeah, that. for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um. So we'll move on from controls. Um. And just talk a little bit about graphics of course um you know the graphics in this game it's a full body and facial motion capture i got to watch um a little bit of the making of videos for this game after i finished and uh you know wow uh pretty intense um saw some of the scene from uh uh, madison's apartment getting acted out on a uh, on a, a green screen stage um and it was uh it was pretty wild <laughs> it's amazing yeah. what they can do yeah, those those extra features videos are really cool, um, and I think I love the graphics in this game. And I was kind of curious how would they how would they hold up mm-hmm. because I thought at the time they were so like amazingly realistic, yeah. you know. Yeah. And uh, I feel like they still they do hold up, and I do love that they really feel like real life locations. Yeah. Um, yeah. They they feel like these like rundown places that have actually been lived in. There's a lot of like really good world building Mm -hmm. quote unquote being done here just by the graphics. You know, you can tell this is not the best part of town, you know, that these people are living in. It's not the best city to to live in in general, maybe. 
uh, and just the graphics really show that a, a lot of the time, mm-hmm. and that's that's pretty cool to well, me. Yeah. What do you mean it's not the and best place the- in town? I mean, there's three serial killers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but uh but i guess that's what uh isn't that what quantic dream is kind of known for is they they make these really visually impressive games yeah um you know for the time um indigo prophecy looked really good yeah now we have this and um then uh beyond two souls and and now we have uh detroit was it beyond human I don't know, too human. Or no, something like that. that. I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> More human than human. And oh, wait, that's the Rob Zombie version. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Human um, after all, Daft Punk. <laughs> I'm only but human. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Uh, that's kind of what they do. Nice. Is they, they make these really visually nice looking games. Um, but what blew me away was um, like the... the the uh, the loading screens mm. with uh, with the close ups of the faces like the detail on the faces. I'm glad you brought that up. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, and having to look into those people's eyes and stuff, and then you know, it, it was it was I don't know. It was sort of like to me, it felt like it was kind of like just them showing off a little bit, you know, having that as a loading it's screen. It's a little yeah. bit of that yeah, too, but, of which course. I'm sure it was. But then, like when you get to the end of it, and you realize that the killer is Shelby. And you've just been thinking, I've just, I've totally like gotten sucked in by this character and I've looked like directly into his eyes, you know, and, and then yeah, that honestly, sort of feeling you're like, oh, it's creepy, yeah. man. It's really creepy. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I did get that, um, uh, from it and, uh, that's pretty cool. But yeah, I, I agree. Graphically, like very impressive. I would say the only scene that looked off was the, um, the actual, the sex scene like the making out and stuff it looked really weird i think pam had mentioned this on the forums it, it was bizarre like the faces weren't close enough and I'm, I'm assuming that just has something to do with uh the way that it was captured um i wonder if they i wonder if they mo-capped that scene yeah. or if they just uh yeah i was wondering i was like are they are they really are the actor and the actress actually really making out or are they just kind of had them acting like they were doing it and just kind of mush those things together, you know, it's really, <laughs> really bizarre. Uh, but uh, anyway, so I guess we should move on and talk a little bit about the voice acting and the, the music uh, in the game and what you guys thought about that. Um, yeah. Music was great. Music was on point for this one, I think. Yeah. Is, it, is it because it, all, it, it was always orchestrated by a Canadian? Norman. Yeah, that doesn't hurt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess uh, Norman Corbet would oh, be the pronunciation. Well, yeah, I don't know. Y- yeah. Please, thank you. I'm I'm like I'm five hours from uh, from Quebec, which is like basically entirely French. <laughs> I'm like I'm like Norman Corbel, you know, like <laughs> oh man, we get that at New Year's Corbel, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, butcher names, we all know that. Uh. But yeah, um, one of the things that really struck me with this game was like when I turned it on, like that, you know, you know before I started playing the game, it was just sort of, I had it loaded and I just kind of heard it, it was kind of running in the background because I had, you know, I hadn't started it up yet and, you know, I was getting my drink and, you know, kind of that stuff that prepared for when I'm getting ready to play a game, uh, you know, my routine and uh, I could just hear that orchestral soundtrack in the background and i think like just hearing that i was like man that is really beautiful 
I think when you come mm-hmm. into a game and you hear that, you know that there's been a lot of work done on a game. When you hear a soundtrack that's that impressive, um, you know, right at the load-up screen, you know you're in for a real treat. And um, it, it, I, I love the soundtrack to this game. It was, it was really awesome. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was great. Voice acting, um, hit or miss. Mm, yeah, I think. I think yeah, mostly miss. Definitely a mixed bag. <laughs> um, yeah, mixed French bag. <laughs> Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Um I think uh, Madison was a great um voice actor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder I was just it just kind of dawned on me. I wonder if that's why I liked her so like part of why I liked her so much mm-hmm. is maybe because of the more authentic sounding voice performance. Yeah. Right. Same thing with Shelby, yeah. at least the first time I around. Agree. He he did a the actor yeah. for him did a good job, but yeah. Ethan and Norman not so much. Yeah. No. Like for me with Ethan, it was like it it didn't sound like like it should sound like the voice is coming out of the character, even though, you know, it's not. It should sound yeah. like they're making those like they're they're actually saying those words. And yeah, and um, it, it just sounded like it was playing an audio clip over, you know, the scene of of Ethan talking. Yeah. And I think like the translation too, um, you know, being like a, a not an English actor. I think the inflection was off in a lot of places, you know, where, where something mm-hmm. you didn't get that um, that feeling, you know, of like danger right. or, you know, compassion or loss um, that you would get from someone who's like more of a native speaker, if that makes sense. Right. And I, I can't remember if um, Ethan's voice actor was was British or French, but he did an OK job. Yeah. Um, Norman's actor, I think he was a British guy, and he just he he could not do that. Mm-hmm. That like I don't even know what accent he was that, going uh, for. We've already said <laughs> it. Um, Travolta and Pulp Fiction. Yeah, it sounds like a <laughs> New England kind of thing. <laughs> like it's it sounds like New England and like a whole bunch of other accents mushed together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So kind kind of kind of funny. Uh, kind of takes you out of the moment, but you know performance good you know actual quality of portraying the character like the 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 accent not so hot yeah yeah so i want to just real real quick i want (laughs) to talk about while we're on the voice acting something that i forgot to put in the notes but you guys know about the whole press x to jason thing did you look uh duke togo posted (laughs) it on the forum and (laughs) I had to put a spoiler thread on it because it was like before we started the game and at the end of this little web-based game, uh, Jason actually dies at the end. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, that there's this whole like internet joke about the part in the shopping mall in the beginning of the game where you're just hitting X and Ethan's going, Jason, Jason, like, and it's really bad. So it became kind of a joke, but during this uh, playthrough, there's also, I, I looked on YouTube, and I was looking all, for all kinds of stuff on this game. Do you guys know about the Sean glitch? No. No, what's that? So there's a glitch um, when you when you lose Sean, and there's scenes where you're you know near the park, and you can press X to Sean, basically, and you're just screaming, Sean, yeah. Sean. So there's some kind of glitch where that prompt can stay with you like f- throughout the rest of the game. So that, like 
you can be in whatever scene you can think of with Ethan in it, and there'd be a Sean floating around his head, and he could just scream, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> That's so like I saw funny. on YouTube, like a cutscene of the end of the game, like him, like literally like pulling Sean out of the, the well thing and just like having this tender moment and then just screaming in his face, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have to look that up now. Yeah. Yeah. It's, a, it's really funny. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody uh, actually posted, it was a really great uh, YouTube video on the thread and it was uh, Press X for Jason, and it was actually a band like doing a whole song about it, and it was, man, it was really hilarious. I think it was Sean. Did you post that? No, that's funny you mentioned. I didn't even see that. I got to look on the forum and check that out, because I, I would, I'm sure I would get a kick out of that. <laughs> it was hidden under another spoiler tag, so. Oh, yeah, okay. Of All right, I got to go back and check that yeah, out. Yeah, not a major spoiler or anything. Uh, you know, Jason gets wiped out in the... Uh, in the first, uh, in the second chapter, really, right? So uh, it, it yeah, happened right in the beginning. It happens fairly quickly, anyway. And uh, you know, I think uh, uh, Metal Fro was uh, was talking about that uh, in one of his in one of his comments. Uh, but anyway, um, I, I did want to mention a little bit, and you know, speaking of Metal Fro, we we kind of, as in playing this game, we we kind of had. Um, little bit of a bond in playing this game in the thread and uh um i have kids i have three kids and um you know he has fostered a, a lot of kids he and his wife are really good people and uh you know uh spend time with uh foster kids and let them live with them and you know um I noticed that, um, you know, Pam had made a comment about like how she felt like the intro scene was a little bit mundane and and a bit boring to do and, and while I, I get that you know coming from a background where um for me where i don't play a lot of these type of games i thought it worked well as sort of an intro to getting a feel for the controls of the game um you know instead of having um i i guess some silly um introduction to the game you know here you need to press this to do this sometimes you'll have to do this um it actually sort of walks you through that in and sort of adds to the story but at the same time i felt like it kind of um drew you into this family the the wife the husband their current lifestyle their two kids and um i, I thought it was uh i thought it worked well and i don't know um i guess kind of what i want to get from you guys is um you know did you did you get any sort of emotional attachment to, um, you know, like to Jason before he was to die or, um, any emotional attachment, um, between like Ethan and Sean as you're trying to track him down and save him? Yeah, I think I, I commented on the forum that I agree with you completely. And I always kind of get my back up when I see, like, I actually watched the zero punctuation review from, for this game, which was from when it came out. Mm -hmm. Uh, where uh, Yahtzee, I think the guy's name is, says like, oh, the first two hours of the game are boring as hell. And it's like, no, they're not. Or if they are, that's kind of the point. Like, they're supposed mm -hmm. to be. And I, I always get like, I don't know, it rubs me the wrong way when people start talking like that because it's like, oh, well, I don't have a gun in this game to shoot people with two seconds after I hit the start button. Yeah. So it's boring. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, just relax, relax, let it, let it absorb you know absorb what's going on in the game because it's important yeah. you know what i mean so yeah i mean i went into total dad mode man i mean like 
like when I brought Sean home from school that, you know, in that one scene where it's like, you've got that schedule up. I'm like, damn it, man, I got to get this kid's <laughs> yeah. homework done. I got to get his ass fed yep. and I got to get him in the bed. You know, like I, I like, and I'm looking at the clocks. I'm walking around, like looking at the clocks, making sure, Hey, I can't screw <laughs> this up. You know, I, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, you know, hook, line and sinker and, and, you know, it's just, I don't know. Um, it was hard. And I, and I mentioned to you guys that, my intent for playing this game was to play it with my wife watching. We we played Wolf Among Us, um, and we really enjoyed doing that together. We really enjoyed that experience. But I played this game, and then um, um, when Jason died at the beginning, my wife looked at me and she said, "I I I can't do this. I I can't I can't watch you play this game." And I was like, "Well, you know." you know she just got too even in that short like intro scene she got too emotionally attached and and putting herself in the place of that wife and um you know those kids and that family and the fact that i I think i mentioned on the forums at one time our daughter kind of got away from us one time um ran off with some kids at a playground in a big park and didn't tell us where she was at and we were attending to our younger kid at the time and it just, it was a horrifying moment as a parent. And I could tell without without us saying the words or talking to each other, we replayed that event in our mind. Um, and so, um, you know, that, that was tough. That, that was really tough. And I, you know, I think things, you know, in life events and in everything in life, these things affect us in all different ways, you know. But for me, it really, it really struck a nerve. Um, and, uh it was very powerful. Um, and so, yeah, I guess it's kind of hard sometimes to hear that, um, you know, people think something like that's boring or, you know, that it, it doesn't affect them and their play. And I'm, I'm totally with you, Sean. I don't think the power of a game has to be like, why don't I have a gun yet? Or, or why am I not like doing some like superhuman action right now? You know, I mean, things that are just normal family, everyday events can be just as successful, just as powerful. And then I felt that this game pulled that off really well. And again, maybe it's just me and and my life experience. But uh, I I just I felt like I kind of had to mention that, you know, as far as this game's concerned. See, that 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 comment makes me wonder, like, is this game maybe targeted to somebody who's a little bit older, maybe has a little bit more life experience? Um, Oh, sure. Maybe. Or maybe is more of like a thinking person, you know, because I guess it is quite possible to be, you know, too too young for this game or too unprepared, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, for this absolutely. game, absolutely, absolutely, it's not something I would let, you know, my kids anywhere near. You know, <laughs> right, of course, yeah, I would never like recommend this to my kids until they're like oh, twenty five plus at least. You know, I mean, it's mm-hmm. just, I think it's it's more effective, you know, for someone, you know, of you know, maybe our generation than it would be, you know, definitely someone younger. Um, mm-hmm. No, I understand. And, I agree. Just, yeah. You know, depending on where you're at in your life too. I mean, it could, you know, have a different impact, um, you know. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was really impactful. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it, it drew me in from that. I couldn't stop playing after that. I had to know, you know, I had to know who this person was, but um, mm-hmm. again, it's something that my wife and I watch these shows all the time, these Dateline shows and things like that. And it's, it's something I thought, oh, this is going to be, you know, easy to pull her in. And she read the back of the, you know, the case, she was really interested, but 
the one thing that the back neglects to mention is that the origami killer is killing kids. And so once that was, once that was on the table, she was out. And, uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, kind of a shame. I think she would have really enjoyed the story uh, and the narrative of this. And I guess I understand, I guess comparing, comparing this to something like, like your Dateline shows is, (laughs) yeah, you know, with Dateline, you're, you're just watching TV. You're more, you're you're more passive about it. Right. Whereas this is your, you're doing these actions. Yeah. Yeah. And and Dateline stuff tends to not, it it tends to be more adult oriented when it's, when it comes to things with kids, they're a little bit more uh, censored, you know, as far as that's concerned. Right. Yeah. They they kind of play it safer. Yeah, they do. Um, if you know that's possible, they they do, and so I think uh, with this, it's kind of uh, testing some uh, uh, really taboo waters, you know, as far mm-hmm. as game, and and you know, kudos to them for that. I mean, that's, yeah, definitely, it definitely earns that mature rating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a very brave move uh, to have kids, you know, dying. So, mm-hmm. uh, but anyway, um, I just definitely just wanted to mention that, and but I wanted to talk about. What endings uh, we got? Uh, Sean has sort of mentioned what his ending was, and if you're satisfied with your ending, but um, and if you have any interest in um, flushing out any of the other endings, but I, I also want to hear like you know what you got the first time you played the game as opposed to this time as well. Uh, like the first time you actually played the game, what ending uh, did you manage to get? So. Let's see. I'm trying to think about my first playthrough of the game. Um, it ended with I know Norman Jaden died, so he didn't he didn't really have an ending. Okay. Ethan and Madison basically uh, hooked up and took care of Sean together. Yeah. Okay. In in the new home. Okay. Um, and I, I oh man I don't remember what happened with Scott Shelby. Um. Well, he probably would have died, probably in any scenario. He probably would have right? died, right? Yeah, I think I think he dies in that scenario when you know when you have the happy ending or whatever. But you were able to you right. were able to save Sean in your original playthrough. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. How about you? Uh, this time? Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was going to say this time around, um, Ethan moved into the new house with Sean. Just just the two of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Madison became a uh, number one selling author. Mm-hmm. Um, she basically wrote a book about the whole uh, origami killer, and it was called Heavy Rain. Yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, Jaden became um, like an awarded detective. Hmm. And Lauren Lauren found out that uh, Scott Shelby was a killer, and she came up to to Scott's grave and and. You know, said you you had me. You know, you led me on this whole time. Mm-hmm. You you know, I you know I couldn't believe that I was actually helping the killer of all these children. And she cursed his grave and like had and now had more regrets going forward hmm. than she had initially. Hmm. Okay, that's interesting that you said that uh, Madison had written the book at the end. I didn't uh, I didn't get that ending uh, in my play. Okay, yeah, I, I didn't. I don't know why. Hmm. I don't know. What I would have had to do to actually get that ending, I did. Um, I did get the ending where you know they sort of became this. You know, uh, she and Ethan and uh, Sean became a, mm-hmm. you know a new family. Um, right. Definitely, Shelby died. Uh, Jaden, uh, for me, actually, um, I wasn't able to figure out um, 
all the clues at that last point, and I actually accused uh, the uh, uh, the police officer that was working with him. Gosh, I can't think of his name. You guys, you guys, you guys, Blake. Blake. <laughs> I can't, I can't ever think of his name. <laughs> but I actually accused Blake of uh, okay. of uh, possibly being the killer, and so um, it got him. Um, it got him basically kicked off. Uh, not really kicked off the force, but uh, he had like a... Kicked uh, off the case, at yeah, least, right? Yeah, and he had a meeting at the FBI office, and he resigned, and he turned over his uh, ARI glasses uh, during that resignation. Huh. So uh, somewhat of a happy ending, you know, to be away from that and not be addicted anymore. Mm-hmm. So how about you, Sean? Mm-hmm. Remember your first ending? Um, yeah. The the first time around, I think I got like all super happy, good ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, I tried my absolute hardest to to do that um, the first time I played. So I remember, like I said, every character surviving except for Lauren. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, same here. Uh, just the standard good stuff. Um, I think my second playthrough now is was much more interesting just from the perspective of seeing how how bad everything could go. <laughs> <clears throat> so in the ending that I got, the so the way I killed uh, Madison was when she's trying to escape uh, Shelby's apartment and she gets to the window and she says, if I jump from here, I'll die. So I said, good idea. And I said, jump. <laughs> And so that's how she died. And then like the ending that corresponds to that is there's a reporter at her grave at the end and just says, uh, you know, reporter Madison Page was heroically trying to solve the the origami killer and died in the process kind of thing. Um, And then with Norman Jaden's like bad ending when he gets killed is there actually is part of uh, an ending to that Floyd and that's that uh, the police lieutenant I can't remember his his name is talking to Blake and says uh, you know I gotta go to Jaden's funeral and Blake just says yeah I never saw eye to eye with him I'm not gonna go (laughs) and then uh, he says yeah but he left behind his glasses what should I do with them and and the lieutenant says ah he won't need them just keep them so it it it's a really bad scene actually. It takes Blake like five minutes to like put the glasses on. They're just like sitting on his desk and he's looking at them. And I'm just sitting there like just put them on, you know? Yeah, really, yeah. <laughs> so he puts them on and he's in the VR world and there's this like stinger at he turns and Jaden is standing there. So uh, I don't know if they're trying to in- imply that like Jaden's spirit is inhabiting Ari at the very end, but it uh, it freaks Blake out and then just fades to black. So that that was kind of interesting, yeah. but I, I didn't like. Well, I that don't transitions know. into the next point that uh, we're probably going to talk about. Yeah, yeah. true. Uh, but I, yeah, there's a few more points I wanted to make about the endings. Um, Go ahead. Ethan Mars gets arrested, and it is assumed that he is the origami killer. Case is solved, case closed, and he commits suicide by hanging himself in his jail cell. Wow. So that's huh. his like bad ending. And then huh. actually there's there's a clip of Sean dying or yeah. And then a news broadcast of like uh you know, Sean Mars who has been missing, was found dead, blah blah blah. Um 
So yeah, it's just an all out bummer (laughs) the way I did it again, with the exception of Lauren getting her revenge on Scott at the very end. That was the best part. But yeah, I I actually, I searched on YouTube worst heavy rain endings and that's, that's all of them except for Shelby. If Lauren dies, like I said, Shelby just gets away and and just walks scot free from the whole thing. (laughs) Scot free, no pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> uh, did uh I mean I'm interested why did you save Lauren? I mean why was it so important for you to save Lauren this time around? I mean you you definitely wanted to take out all the other killers uh, characters I mean not killers. Jeez, <laughs> I'm having a tough time talking tonight. Um but but why Lauren? Why did you feel the the need to save her this time? Well, it kind of dawned on me like I I guess as I was playing the game and I said to myself, well, I want to see what happens if all the main characters die. Sure. So inversely, I wanted to see what happens if Lauren survives because mm-hmm. she died in my first playthrough. Okay. So yeah. I, I have to say that worked out like quite nicely. Yeah. Yeah. That's a cool <laughs> ending. man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very cool. All right. So, yeah, we mentioned that um, David Cage has said before that, these games are meant to be played basically one time. Whatever your experiences is with the game is what you should take away. That should be your story. That should be your final narrative. And that there's no point in coming back and playing these games over and over again. Um, I, I don't know. I, I kind of feel that maybe that's a little bit hooey. I mean, yeah, maybe it, I, th- I think I kind of have to agree. Um, I don't think like, and the thing that like bothers me the most about that idea is that you get trophies and you get different trophies for different things in this game. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. why would you put collectibles and trophies in a game if right. you didn't want special features, right? If you didn't yeah. want people coming yeah. back to play this. So to me, it kind of, you know, bunks that idea and maybe that's just, you know, him talking, him, um, I don't know, trying to draw more yeah. attention to his game and, and trying to get people to play it more and flush out the endings. Or, you know, maybe he really does feel that way and just didn't think about how adding this extra stuff would make people want to, you know, possibly play the game more. So, Yeah, I think... I think at the time that he said that, he was probably just like pontificating on his own mm-hmm. uh, creation. and I think so. You, you're probably right. Yeah. And I've thought about this a lot because I think I, I, think I mentioned this quote like kind of offhandedly like a long time yeah. ago on the air. I can't even remember what we were talking about. Maybe uh, life is strange, you know. Um, but I think I... I I think about this kind of stuff a lot and I don't like being told what to do with something that I like paid money for, right. you know, yeah. like it's, you know what you, I, I'm glad you directed this great game, pal, but I paid 60 bucks for it and I'm going to play it 20 times in a row if I want, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, uh, you know, the game is there to please me now, not the other way around. So, yeah. uh, I, I, I appreciate the sentiment like, because you, it really is an experience your first time. But you know what? That's great. That's your first time. Now go in and tinker with the game and mess with it and try to kill characters and see what happens. That's There's a real fun to that, as I've discovered, you know? like <laughs> Yeah, yeah. 
Oh yeah, I have to agree. You know, second time around, yeah, you can you can really like play the way it's not supposed to be played, or you can read more deeply into it, or, or take um, yeah, and I mean, or take care of something you develop- didn't take care of the first time. <laughs> right, exactly. exactly. And, and other developers, you know, for this genre, I mean, we just played Shadow of Destiny, a game that was it was encouraged to play it multiple times, and they gave you a list of endings, and you could like check off which ones you did, you yeah. know. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which uh, actually, it's funny because the taxidermist DLC. Now that I now that I mentioned yep. that, had at the end a checklist of endings, and it's like go <laughs> back and try it. Yeah. So yeah, maybe we should. I don't go, know. Yeah, I guess maybe we should maybe talk about that too, like the taxidermist, since we're kind of headed that way, and we've mentioned it several times. I just wanted to quickly sure. add that, like, because um, um, Sean said that uh, David Cage is probably just tuning his own horn and, and putting his own game up on a pedestal and he could be because um, he is really outspoken about um, narrative driven games and uh, like he's even said that something like only 40% of people who play games play them from start to end and and he's really dedicated to making a, a game that people will, will finish mm. Mm. so I see that. It'll be so. I'm I don't know. Maybe the he numbers just is. that high for games getting finished. I wouldn't think yeah. it was even forty percent. I would love. I, yeah. I, I would love to see what his thoughts are on New Line Cinema possibly making a movie out of this and what ending they would possibly choose. <laughs> I, I, yeah. Well, I'm sure when the time comes, they're gonna or like he's going to be very heavily involved. Sure. Like he'll just force himself onto the matter, you know. <laughs> well, well, we'll figure out at that point what his favorite or best intended ending is, if he is right. So there you go. Then we'll find out what's going to be the, the canon ending, right? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, so let's let's move on and talk about the taxidermist DLC. Uh, I mentioned before that um, you know this whole idea of DLC content uh, was scrapped after them trying to put. Uh, more money into motion support, which is a shame. Um, yeah. The taxidermist. <laughs> At the time, it, this, this was really exciting. I mean, I episodic gaming was not really that... It wasn't really a thing sure, back that's then. that's a good point. In 2010. So to, to think that you could buy the $60 game and if you bought it early on, which I did, you get the taxidermist for free. So it kind of really like primed the well for thinking like, Oh, okay. Like here's a little extra, like bite sized little adventure that was free. Mm-hmm. I know you were not happy with the price you, you paid money I for paid it. I paid five and, bucks for this. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and we'll talk about whether or not that was worth it, but for the time with it being free, it was like a really cool concept to think, mm-hmm. Oh, like there's going to be more like episodes yeah. of heavy rain coming out. Like it was really exciting yeah. at the time. And it just kind of sucks that they, it, that what happened that, that it mm-hmm. did that way. But, uh, uh, the taxidermist itself, rich, I mean, <laughs> well, freaky it, dude, it's, yeah, yeah, it's... But you know what's going to happen. I mean, you know from the very beginning, as soon as you look in that window, and even at the title of it, you kind of have a feeling of what it's going to be. I mean, because, let's think yeah. about it, taxidermist. What's the first film you think about when you think of taxidermy in horror films? Oh, Psycho. Psycho. I mean, yeah. yeah, so, I mean, that's... I mean, I'm sure, clearly, that was an inspiration, you know, for this. Uh, but, you know, adding a clever twist as you work your way up to the second floor 
Um, yeah, yeah, interesting, but um, you know, and like you mentioned before, there's a checklist of like I think it's six items, six ways you can, you know, win this game. Uh, you know, by escaping, by dying, <laughs> um, you know, whatever. I I don't know. Not worth the five bucks I paid. You know, if you didn't get it for free, I yeah. wouldn't. I would not bother downloading this. It's. Uh, I don't know. It. I don't know. I mean, Heavy Rain in itself is sort of a. It's sort of a creepy game as it is, and there's some creepy moments in it, especially like at the doctor's house. Um, but yeah. it seemed unnecessary, you know, that she was checking out this person as the origami killer. And like you said before, you know, oh, so wait, now there's like three serial, serial killers in the same town. It, yeah. Over the top. <laughs> I, I would have preferred something like we had mentioned before, like more of um, um, Madison's backstory. I had to look at her name because I didn't want to say Pam again. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> when did we make that mistake? But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of going to interrupt here. Um, like uh, like Sean said, it, like it really is the bad part of town. Yeah. Because um, there are more than one serial killers in town. Yeah. Um, in in my ending where Madison is a you know top selling author, she's actually doing a book signing and um, one one uh, person who who you only see from behind comes up to her and and says uh, you know great job finding uh, the origami killer but I think uh, you know I think you're ready for a, a you know the next challenge right and it's it's basically another you know freaky murder oh so now there's four hmm. wow so there's four great <laughs> yeah just yeah don't wherever they live don't live there oh man yeah i'm i'm, I'm also well, surprised that we haven't seen any um spinoffs of this game i mean it would be nice to see like a continuation like you know what are they doing now or like taking some of the minor characters and making some uh you know spinoffs in the same town um I think would be yeah. an incredible. Or idea. I would, I, I would love to see like a Norman Jaden side story on a totally different case, like in some other part of the country yeah. or the world. You know, That'd nothing really to do cool. with the yeah. origami killer. Yeah. Um, just a really quick comment on the taxidermist. I think where it fails for me is that um, you know it is a DLC, so it's fine that it. it I mean, you can finish it in like fifteen minutes yeah. if you know what to do. But there's really the, one of the beauties of Heavy Rain is that there are so many pivot points and, and branching paths that you can do. But the taxidermist is so contained that there are literally like three pivot points yep. that, that they show you at the end of the game. And uh, once you play it once, you I actually played it just a couple times to see what you could actually do differently. And uh, I, I think... It's just too too contained. It's too canned of an experience for what heavy rain actually is. You know. Yeah, I, I completely agree. It just it feels out of sorts, if you will. It doesn't feel like a part of the narrative. It feels like they're trying to force it into the narrative by having her going to this guy's place to search out whether he's the origami killer or not. Right. And and then yeah. here we go, another vi- ultra violent scene. You know and. It, yep. it just it just doesn't work. I mean, there's no way you can co- come into contact with that many serial killers, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, in your life. It's it's just bizarre. And and I wish they wouldn't have tried to force it into that. I wish this would have been like like her before. Maybe she met um, Ethan, 
and before the origami mm-hmm. killer, maybe another case she was working on, trying to solve or mm-hmm. do some journalistic reporting on. I think that would have worked better, but to try to like, you know, mash it into the story, it just, it, it like Sean said, it just, it doesn't work. It's too contained. Um, what uh, what ending did you get on the taxidermist? Uh, the first time, I just kept running away from him and you know doing the little QTE things and. Um, I, the, the first time I ended up like getting to the garage door to go halfway open, crawling under it and going mm-hmm. off, getting on the motorcycle and getting away from him. The, the second time yeah, I played, exactly I'm like, I'm grabbing that F and chainsaw and Oh, chainsaw. Yeah. You, what? There's a chainsaw in the garage <laughs> and I just, uh, Oh, is that the option to the right? I wondered what that was cause yeah. I couldn't really see it. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Well, I had seen it before in the first time playing cause I checked out the entire downstairs and I knew the area and I knew there was a chainsaw oh, okay. there. And, and so I grabbed that chainsaw and, uh, yeah, I neutered that dude. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's pretty crazy. So, uh, you have to like jerk that's up on cool. the motion controls to try to like start it, you know. So, uh, that's but awesome. the irony of it is, you get the same ending, uh, whether you escape on the motorcycle or whether you kill the guy, you, you get the exact same. Huh. Uh, well, because he end up he ends up killing himself if if you encounter him mm-hmm. and struggle with him and escape, he ends up killing himself. But if you another ending that I did is if you escape cleanly without being discovered by him, uh, he just gets arrested. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't able and to do that. Yeah, yeah. cool. But well, anyway, yeah, it's enough. That. It, it, it's it's interesting. <laughs> I wish there could have been more of these. Even if the taxidermist wasn't great, it showed like a promise of what they could do yeah. with better ideas as the, as time went on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the next thing I kind of wanted to move on to and talk about is this, um, Sean, you had posted this video uh, from Hyperbit Hero um, about removed elements from this game. Um, when David Cage was interviewed about this game, he said that it was a murder mystery, it was straightforward, whereas Indigo Prophecy had um, some supernatural elements to it. Uh, Cage had mentioned that he wasn't doing that with this game. Uh, the irony what is, is that he actually, in the, in the writing of this game, had supernatural elements in it to begin with, and those things somehow yeah. got extracted. And had they left those in there, in my opinion... Um, even though it would have made the game a little bit wackier, it would have made the game a lot more powerful and it would have helped fill in some of those plot holes that are there because of things that were extracted from this game. I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, no, for sure. And I, I highly recommend anybody who's played heavy rain, check out that video uh, by Hyperbit hero on YouTube. Um, the, what are these Um, like uh, supernatural elements are they just, yeah just so remind me the concept that got cut was that scott shelby was going to be present in the crowd when uh jason dies in the beginning mm-hmm. and that establishes some kind of psychic connection between ethan and shelby mm-hmm. so basically what it does is it explains all these blackouts yep. that ethan is having um why he wakes up in weird places with an origami figure in his hand kind of thing <laughs> like 
A lot of stuff that's never explained, you know, it just was kind of yeah. taken for granted. Yeah, so, and uh, I think he mentions in the video that some of the the Heavy Rain Chronicles might have been tied into those. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. I, I mean, I've watched this video a couple of times, but there's so much information in it. I got a little, uh, my memory gets a little fuzzy on it, but... But yeah, it's it's kind of funny how how they they wanted it to be so grounded in reality, and then and then they end up making Beyond Two Souls, which is totally about a psychic <laughs> woman with this like uh, spirit who's with her at all times. It's I don't know, and Indigo Prophecy had all the all the mm-hmm. uh, Cult- supernatural the elements. Stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. I definitely think they should have left it in there. I, th- I think it would have been a, a lot cleaner game and still enjoyable, even if it did uh, suspend reality a little bit. You know, it would have helped explain mm-hmm. and, um, you know, cleaned up some of those imperfections and some of those plot holes and, uh, um, y- you know, probably made the game a lot more powerful than it already is, though. I mean, mm-hmm. I-, I can't complain. It's, it's a very powerful game as it is, and to imagine it even more powerful um is just um wow yeah so all right guys so were there any other things that uh you guys wanted to touch on with this uh episode with this game how'd you feel is this one you would maybe recommend oh yeah i mean to me this game is a absolute classic of the playstation 3 i agree Uh, yeah there's no other game like it. Even the other Quantic Dream games, I mean, games that are like this game imitated it in in some ways. Um, again, like Life is Strange has a lot of uh, elements taken from this game. And uh, Until Dawn, again, I haven't played it, but I've heard it's very much Heavy Rain inspired. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think people really should, like, experience this game there are some of the moments haven't aged so well i mean even though the graphics hold up pretty well like i was saying before there are some dramatic moments that kind of fall flat there are some moments that are unintentionally funny because a lot of times because of the voice acting some stuff is a little bit cheesy Mm -hmm. but i mean overall it it holds up it's it's still a really good game and really uh just an experience that you know, draws you in, uh, gets you emotionally invested. Will have your heart pounding at certain moments. Yep. Uh, it'll piss you off. It'll make you laugh. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like you'll run the gamut of emotions. So, I highly, highly, highly recommend it. It's one of my favorite games, like ever. Yeah, I think I think you you really hit the nail on the head there. I don't. There's nothing that I can really add to it. Um, uh, but yeah, definitely a recommendation from me. Um, you know, if you want to see, you know, what a well-crafted game can do to sort of, you know, get on your emotional side, um, you know, this is a perfect example. And um, yeah, you know, for for a narrative-driven, um, you know, player choice heavy game, you know, yeah, this this definitely gets my my recommendation. Yeah, and I think you guys will uh, remember that um, at our end-of-year um, podcast that we did last year, we talked about our favorite and least favorite games, or, or ones that probably disappointed us the most. Um, if you recall, Indigo Prophecy was on my list. Um, it was one that I was mm-hmm. looking 
uh, very forward to playing. I think you guys were, you know, kind of shocked um, that it was on my list. Um, and, you know, this was my pick this month, and um, I went with Heavy Rain, even though knowing same, you know, developer, same team, um, you know, it was heavily quick time event game. Um, you know, I gotta say, I'm, I'm not disappointed at all that I played this game and, you know, I, I put my faith in you guys and, and in other people on the website who said, you know, this is, this is a great game. You know, th there was a lot that, that was improved from Indigo Prophecy. You know, this is something you definitely need to play. And though I hated making a lot of you guys play this game again, um, uh, I, I feel like you guys still had a great time with it and I'm glad. Um, and, uh, as a first time player, you know, this is the type of game um, that would definitely be on my recommendation list that uh, that people need to play. And if you want that sort of interactive, sort of cinematic experience, something that's going to tug at your heartstrings, something you're going to get really emotionally invested in. I mean, take it from me. Uh, I played it in three consecutive nights and I thought about it all day when I was at work, you know, waiting to get home that night, just praying that my kids would go to bed early so I could play this game because... It, it's a very adult game. You can't play this game around your kids. I think we should we should mention that. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm um, very happy to have played this game, and, and wouldn't be surprised uh, when we meet next month if this was on my uh, top five for the year list. So, I'm not saying where it would fall, but uh, uh, definitely, I think it may be on that list. So, so thanks, guys. Um, definitely want to mention that our December competition this year is, uh, of course, the racing competition, so we're excited to do that. And, um, of course, F-Zero, Road Rash 2, and Burnout Revenge, so we hope you guys will join us. Uh, we've got some exciting things planned. Uh, I've already kind of drawn up. I'm hosting F-Zero, so I've sort of already drawn up um, how that competition was going to work. And, uh, Floyd, you're going to be hosting which game? I will be doing Road Rash 2. Yeah, which is an awesome pick and um, mm -hmm. very Floyd-inspired. Uh, Floyd is our motorcycle guy in the group. So. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I knew, I knew, like, okay, F-Zero is, like, a pretty straightforward racing game. Yep. Um, Burnout is kind of a game where you can just do all this sort of crazy stuff. Yep. And I know you guys both like beat-em-ups. So Road Rash is kind of like a racing beat em up. Yeah, yeah it is. I was uh, playing downhill domination with my son today because he wanted to play it, a game that Sean had recommended on the uh, Collector Cast. And uh, I was thinking it oh, has yeah. a lot of elements of Road Rash, you know, where you could punch people mm -hmm, going down the mm -hmm. hill and everything, and you're, uh, you're racing. So it reminded me of that. Um, and then, Sean, you're going to be hosting uh, Burnout Revenge, right? Yes, sir. Available for the PlayStation 2, original Xbox, and Xbox 360. And, of course, I'll be hosting F-Zero. It's a game that uh, I remember playing when it came out, and just uh, just a really special game, and uh, a game that has just stood the test of times as one of the best racing games ever made. So I'm looking forward to it, guys. And, uh, of course, next month we'll be doing our uh, top five as well for the year, and uh uh, we'll probably spread a little bit of holiday cheer and uh, drink a little bit of holiday cheer too. What do you think? For sure. <laughs> of course. All right. <laughs> well, just want to thank everyone for listening to our podcast. Remember, you can find us on iTunes or Podbean. And you can also find us on Twitter at RFG Playcast. And until next time, 
Thanks a lot. that will do it for another episode thanks again for listening and an extra special thanks to everyone who participated in the playthrough and joined us on the forum at rfgeneration.com next month is december and that can only mean one thing competition time start your engines as we burn rubber during our competitive playthroughs of the original f-zero road rash 2 and burnout revenge Log on to rfgeneration.com for all the details on how you can prove yourself to be the king or queen of the road. Thank you as always for listening and we'll see you next time on the RF Generation Playcast.